0: Shut up and sit down. Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Bowhunter Chronicles podcast brought to you by Tacticam. Tacticam is the easiest way to share your hunts, to relive that experience. Um, And they've got options for you on different price points from the Solo all the way up to the 4K 5.0s. This week's podcast, we have a... a dual collaboration podcast with the whitetail distraction podcast. So, um uh Charles and Austin, uh great guys, PA hunters. Um so they're dealing with all of the pressure, dealing with uh you know public lands, you know, all different sorts of uh hunting pressure. Uh, I don't believe they can hunt on Sundays just uh, you know all kinds of um similar things to the same topics that we talk about here on our podcast. Um, They have more of a hunting story uh, style podcast. Uh, They don't get into tactics, although they do have some guests that are are very accomplished hunters and real good guests that talk about tactics and things like that. Um, So, uh, this one's got all sorts of different audio. Some audio from them, some from us, uh, back and forth. uh, Some great saddle talk arrow building uh bows preferences uh, a little bit of fishing kind of cover everything on this one so it's a uh, uh, definitely a fun podcast fun to talk to guys that are doing the same things that we are and i think you guys are really going to enjoy this one um quick shout out to our latest patreon sam van andel um Thank you so much. Sam is now entered in for our quarterly giveaway. Um, This quarter, uh, we're giving away to one of our Patreons, which right now, uh, if you exclude friends and family, people that can't win, you still have a better than 1 in 50 chance to win. Um, And we're giving away a Traeger. Uh, It's the Traeger, I believe, 575 with Wi-Fi. So uh, we're going to be giving that away. So think about that on this holiday weekend as you're grilling out and you're, uh, Running out of propane and waiting on that charcoal, um, you know, we're giving away a grill. So, if you want to support us, support the show, um, you know, kind of help us move things forward, um, consider doing that. You can check that out at patreon.com forward slash bow chronicles podcast. Um, but if that's not for you, just tell somebody else about the show and definitely go and check out the Whitetail Distraction Podcast. Uh, Charles and Austin, like I said, they got a great podcast, but they've got probably one of the coolest intros, um, that I've ever heard. So, um, you know, definitely uh, something to check out. Worth it just just for the intro uh, alone. But um, you know, tell somebody about the podcast. Tell somebody about what we're doing. Um, and uh, you know, if you really like what we're doing give us a rating review us on whatever platform you're listening to this on and uh, check out our youtube subscribe to that all those things help us out tremendously uh but we just want to thank you so much for listening uh we appreciate everybody that listens um thank you so much and enjoy the episode
1: all right guys so what's going on uh we are here today the four of us, a little uh, podcast on podcast. We have the Bowhunter Chronicles podcast, doing a little co-op with us, the Whitesail Distraction podcast. Uh, you guys want to go around? This is Charles talking. We want to go around the room and kind of introduce ourselves and maybe our podcast and we'll go from there.
0: Yeah, that sounds great. So um I'm Adam, Adam Miller from the Bowhunter Chronicles podcast. And uh, we're just a couple of guys, you know, John will introduce himself here in just a moment, but um, we're we're out of Michigan, just regular dudes who like bow hunting, even though uh, I'll speak for myself when I say that I'm not very good at it. And uh, we just got into this uh, space because, you know, everybody was talking about all this stuff they were killing. We were like, you know, there's nobody out there talking about what they're not killing or like what they're missing or you know how to get better at it so um i think we represent the the every man who's who's trying to get better and uh is not posting uh 140s who's not sitting in their quote unquote who doesn't even have uh, a rack shack um to uh to show off um so i think that's a little bit about uh myself and kind of who we are
2: (laughs) i can dig it man um i'm austin schweitzer Uh, one of the hosts of the Whitetail Extraction podcast. Um, Yeah, man, I'm in the Rack Shack right now and it is pouring outside. We're in Pennsylvania, so the weather's nice here all the time. (laughs) Um, But yeah, we kind of got into this whole space because we just both love hunting and we both love podcasts so much. So really, it just kind of made sense to us to do that. And then, I don't know, we just kind of focus more on stories rather than tactics now. That's not really to say that we don't have tactics on our show. We just don't. It's not really tactic-based. It's more story-based. And, you know, we get most of, the, like, our friends on. We get guys from Pennsylvania try and keep it close to home a little bit. But then we also get bigger names on our podcast, like the Bowhunter Chronicles, you know?
0: And there's no bigger name than this guy that I'm going to introduce right now. This is John Borsma from the Bowhunter Chronicles. How are you doing tonight, John? Oh, I'm doing great. I'm the- <laughs> I'm
3: Adam's co-host, who doesn't talk much, so <laughs> you might get a few words out of me here and there. <laughs> <laughs> I like now, it. We, you know, we're, we're just the average guys. Just you know, it. Our our podcast started in my garage basically because Adam would come over and we'd sit sit out in the garage and just talk about bow hunting and what we need to do or you know what we think we need to do. And finally, he's like, "Well, hey, you want to Start a podcast. I mean, we shut up, we talk about stuff anyway. We might as well record it. And so that's kind of how ours got going, and it's oh, it's been what two?
0: Yeah, two years
3: plus. Yeah, over a hundred episodes. Yeah, beautiful. I, I started talking a little finally after <laughs> about episode ninety-nine. Yeah, <laughs>
2: getting a little comfortable now, huh?
3: <laughs> yeah. Now, if it's if if we're talking about you know stuff that. You know, Bo, you know, Adam says, you know, i like to geek out on, you know, archery equipment. That's where, you know, I guess that's where my confidence you know, leads me. So,
4: Yeah.
3: Uh, I'm talking about tuning but, tuning bows or building arrows that I can, you know, it comes easy. But otherwise, Adam... Yeah, you got to find
1: your comfort level, man. You got to find your comfort level. That's for sure. Um All right, well, Charles Sedlin here at the White Distraction podcast. um Adam and I kind of got together on this through the first light hunting journal page that uh through Facebook page that we're a part of and uh you know, Gerald reached out and kind of challenged us all to be more of a, a spread out against uh, different platforms and you know kind of boost each other up is uh what he intended so that's why we're here and um you know our podcast is funny because austin and i are probably two of the most technical hunters and we rarely ever talk about it because i guess from our perspective it was always you know we don't want to ever tell anybody how to do it or what to do there's plenty of podcasts out there that are going to be that way if you really want to go down that route you know we're we were more interested in taking the same thing we we every time we got together it was talking about hunting sharing stories and we loved listening to podcasts we talked about podcasts and then finally it was like why don't we just do this you know why don't we do it we we might as well throw some stuff out there and like i said we're gonna have fun with it and at the end of the day we're having fun and and we get to meet new people we get to meet you guys and yeah it's
0: it's a blast man i love podcasting Well, I really like doing this because like, okay, so uh, it's a hundred percent self-serving, right? So I get to do something that I like and talk about hunting. I get to ask questions that I legitimately want the answers to, because like, like I said, I'm not the greatest bow hunter. I don't claim to be. And what's, what I've learned through all of this is that's kind of disingenuous because, you know, we're talking to a lot of guys that really appreciate what we're doing be, but they they're still chasing that first buck or that first bow kill or um, you know they're they're just getting into it and they don't really know where to start and then somehow they stumble upon us. Um, and we're just regular guys, but we try and talk to you know some of the best people that we possibly can. I mean obviously that's why we're talking to you guys tonight, right? but um, we we're just trying to get to um, those answers. Um, but at the same time, when you're talking to somebody like you guys are we have the same mindset we have the same struggles we know what it's like to get halfway through a podcast and have your equipment crash or like try to upload something and then shit goes awry or like bad phone connections or you know trying to do things like this and you know you see people that are 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 progressing or that are 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 you know doing something innovative or doing something different is in the podcasting space and you're like man you know, we could do that or there's something else. So I, I listen to podcasts and I love to interact with other podcasts and other guys like this, um, so that I can be motivated and, you know, be be accountable and kind of just kind of see everything that's out there. And there's not a lot of competition really. I don't see it like that, but it actually like drives us to be better and put out a better product. Uh, but when we talk a little bit about competition, I believe it's Austin, um, who's, in some sort of a yakin' for bass competition who got beat by his wife last year. So he's trying to figure out how to uh, <laughs> oh, uh, dude. You know, beat her or something.
2: <laughs> I actually got her by a quarter of an inch. I just want to make that clear. <laughs> she was kicking my butt the whole competition, though. She is actually a fantastic fisherman. So, yeah, that tournament actually starts tomorrow, the second year of it and she's 9 months pregnant and i think we're going to go kayak
0: fishing tomorrow i <laughs> will see yeah so that's one another one of the things is do doing a little bit of research on who your uh, who your guests are <laughs> <laughs> well thank you for that i down. appreciate the
2: the kick in the gut <laughs> no.
1: Yeah, poor Austin's wife had to deal with that quarter of an inch all year long. Oh, Austin! Oh, I hate you. <laughs> kind of set yourself up for that
2: one. Yeah, yeah, you, you got me there. <laughs> oh
1: man, it is a fun bass tournament fishing though. I, I'll tell you what, last year, man, I got involved in it, and it took me over the edge for kayak fishing. I I never got that involved before. It was a lot of fun. Went out and bought a kayak, and I'm looking forward to it this year. But turkey season's not nearly over yet. We're we're not even halfway at this point, and I'm stoked to keep chasing those birds around.
3: I joined it last year, but then end up and never even made it out in the kayak. Maybe once.
1: Oh, man. Yeah. You know, that happened to a lot of guys. I mean, a lot of people we even know that signed up, and they just... Never got into it. Never found the time to do it. You know, it's a busy time of the year for a lot of people too. You know, a lot of good lot goes on in the summer.
3: Yeah. Well, that I mean, it's still pretty cold up here. And
4: mm-hmm. you know
3: that. And I think we had talked to Walt like right before. He kind of talked me into it <laughs> right before it started, and I'm like, how are we going to compete? You know, with this us Michigan guys, you know, up here in the, the Great White North. Compete with the southern guys with them, you know, 10-pound bass. They're going to go over and it's like, well, it's just measurement. I'm like, well, still,
2: them suckers grow all year long down there. You know, they go dormant <laughs> up here. Oh, it but, can be done, dude. It can yeah, be done. Still fun. <laughs> we had Pennsylvania in the lead yeah. for a long time. Yeah. Yeah, and then they got third, so. Yeah. <laughs>
1: Right. Right. Yeah. But they're, they're like he, he makes a good point. Our, their fish aren't living under ice for months out of the year. You That's know? True, right. <laughs> I mean, hell it just snowed here last week. So <laughs> I killed my turkey in the snow. <laughs> you know, it, it can get pretty crazy. I mean, the baths are still hitting, but man, it's, uh, and they wanted to move it up even earlier this year. This happened to be a delay just with everything going on. And I think it works out better for us, but, you know, for the best of the competition, it's all for fun in the end, really. I mean, it's donating to a good cause, and it's it's about having a blast and getting out and fishing with your buddies. Yeah.
3: Actually, like, I went walleye fishing two nights ago, and it was 28 degrees. Oh, nice. Yeah. It was miserable.
2: You doing any good?
3: I only <laughs> we got one each in the boat, so yeah, it's not a very good night.
2: No.
0: I, I'm not a fisherman, so it wasn't, wasn't me
2: come on man yeah adam hates hates
0: fishing (laughs) i like fishing when it's like i don't know what's going to be on the end of the line so if i i like saltwater fishing is a completely thing but i think growing up in michigan and i mean with ponds and the big lake and everybody having a boat and you know i mean like salmon fishing is boring Steelhead fishing I can get behind. I like salmon fish or uh, steelhead fishing. I don't mind trout fishing. I just don't have time for it anymore or don't make time for it. But these guys, they love walleye fishing and they like to eat walleye. I don't mind eating walleye, but I mean, it's like dragging in a fucking boot or something. I mean, uh, you get a, you get a dogfish or a pike or something and you're excited about it. Like, oh, it's a good one. And then it's like, oh, junkfish, junkfish, fish, da, 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 da. And then you reel in a planer board that has a walleye on it and it's a big old high fives all around. It's like, that's bullshit, you know? That's not any that's not exciting to me. (laughs) That's not how I'm like
1: foul hooking a two (laughs) by four. (laughs) Well,
3: like when I fish at night, I don't use planer boards. I'm just doing one it's like I tell Adam, it's like I'm hunting them down. I'm you know micro fishing. Just trolling one rod and I got it in my hand, I'm always, you know, jigging when they hit. I feel it and they fight pretty good. It's not like dragging in a board on a big board rod. You know, meat fishing is what I call that. Oh yeah, that's fun too. I mean, you can go out and troll around with your wife and you know buddies, and you know catch a couple dozen fish in a day and you know get a freezer full. But going out at night, and just like last week, my son and my daughter went out with me. And, you know, we end up with like five, and that that's a good night or over two nights. But yeah. It's a little more fun than just dragging a
0: rod with a planer on
2: No, I'm with you on that for sure.
0: Charles got a tree, a uh, coon tree to, uh, over there. <laughs> I got a, uh, a, a beagle, about a one-year-old beagle who
1: thinks he's a squirrel dog. Um, <laughs> and everything that comes anywhere near the house, they want to bark at between him and my lab, so... I uh, do apologize for that one. With uh our social distancing and good behavior here, everyone's stuck at the house. I'm not at the Rat Shack tonight. <laughs> uh recording with Austin. <laughs> uh, but I hear uh I hear you guys I was just listening to your podcast about your uh your turkey season, man. Uh you guys wanna g I know you covered it, but if you wanna touch base a little bit on that. It 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 seems like you doing pretty good, huh?
0: Well, like for me is I I didn't have the first season so I've just been the cameraman and uh I've been enjoying that. I'm a better cameraman than I am a hunter, I think.
3: Well you were the you, were, you had first season last year. You had your uh...
0: Yeah, and I wasn't a very good fucking hunter then either.
3: <laughs> <laughs> uh, we just me and Ernie both, you know, we ended up uh we got our birds on opening day. It just turned, you know, luck of the draw. Got our opportunities and, you know, made our shots count. But it was a good, good season so far. I mean, Frank's, Frank killed one. Adams had, oppor- you know, had birds in front of them had one opportunity that was a
0: little, you know, it was a long shot. So was it
4: was
0: we but. Um, we're, uh, we're hunting with bows, too. Like, all of our seasons would have been done. I mean, my season would have been done as soon as it started with a gun. I mean it would it would have been Im- immediately over. Um, no, that was actually uh, going to be my
2: next question, whether you were doing it with a gun or whether you guys were shooting your bows, because, I mean, it is Bowhunter Chronicles, so...
0: Yeah, yeah. And, and, like, this season has been, like, for me, it was cool, because, you know, fr- uh, Frank and Ernie, my father-in-law, um, they're him and his best friend, and my, my father-in-law is, like, the color commentary of our podcast he i mean i wish i had one there upstairs frank's upstairs but um i made some stickers of him like of his face of him um you know from one of his hunts where he missed this nice michigan buck you know and um but he videoed that whole hunt and and then you know he's an excellent caller so i i picked up on that i never hunted turkeys before uh him and I told, I joked on one of our earlier podcasts, you know, that I'd, maybe I'd try shooting a turkey with a trad bow this year. And John was like, no, 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 you won't. No, you won't. No, you won't. You need to kill one with a, a wheel bow first, blah, 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 blah. Well, the, I've been getting so frustrated that I've thought about bringing a shotgun and John's like, I'll strangle you. Like, I will not allow you to bring a shotgun and I just set up this really nice. Like I bought one of the Stevens three hundred one four tens that I set up for my four year old daughter, and my wife's been using it, um, and she's still got a bird to kill. And my my uh, my dad has actually uh, got a tag as well. But um, you know, opening day, my opening day, I had three long beards at thirty five yards that I could have. I mean, I could have shot them with a gun. I could have shot them with a bow, but they were coming right towards the decoys, and my brother was filming for me, and he hit the the leg of the tripod and boom alarm putt gone um i had two two opportunities now where i think with a trad boat would have been a little bit easier the hunt john's talking about i freaking i i don't know we just recorded this podcast the other night i haven't even produced it yet but so Long story short, we watched this bird for two hours and um I mean the one video that John's got is forty five minutes long of this bird just strutting across this field back and forth, back and forth. And finally he goes over this ridge and John you know, so we're doing the social distance thing. John's outside of the tent, I'm in the tent, Frank's behind the tent, calling, John's videoing. His buddy Ernie is in a chair, just hanging out, um, just being part of the experience. John gets out of where he's filming from. We're in this private field with a box blind. John climbs up in the box blind, looks over this hump, and he's like, that turkey is still down there strutting with this hen. I think you can just run over there and shoot this turkey. Or, you know, not just sit here and wait, you know. So, like, okay. So, he gets up in the box blind with a camera. He's set. I'm set. I run over there, run up to the edge, and I can see his fan. I'm down on the ground. And then I'm like, well, holy shit, what am I going to do, you know? So I'm just low crawling. And, John, set the stage on what is in this field because, you know, there's nothing. From from your perspective.
4: And
3: then the lay of the land goes down, comes back up, and there's a little ridge and then there's like a bowl on the other side goes down into the lowland, and but there's little tufts of grass it's like bare grass almost little balls of grass and that was like the only thing that was helping Adam out like cuz from their perspective like he his head could have been one of them balls of grass
0: yeah and, and that's it and so i'm i'm crawling up as close as i can get and i'm trying to range but i'm i'm ranging through these little things of grass. So it's like impossible to get a range Then I get up, I get them ranged at like 43 yards and they're coming to me. And this meanwhile, Frank can't see him. He's in the still in the woods and he's still calling. So these fucking things are like working their way towards me. And I'm going, this is terrible. Like this is not what I need. These turkeys to run right over me. So I set my pin to 40 and because they're, they're still working their way towards me. So I'm like, all right, I'm going to get my opportunity here. So I'm laying flat on my stomach and I draw the bow. Okay. Got the bow drawn. Well, that's a terrible idea because now there's no way in hell I can let this bow down and I got to lay on it. So I'm like, Oh shit. Like, so, and then I can like peek my head up and I'm still trying to keep this bow drawn, make sure that it doesn't go off, you know? and the hen works her way to probably like 25 yards from me. Cause I think she saw me draw and there was, there used to be two hens, and one of them worked her way off. So I don't know if she saw the movement and was just coming to check it out, but she got way too close to me and she didn't alarm putt or anything. And she turned around and started working her way back away. So I was like, all right, well, this is going to be my opportunity. So she's working her way. And meanwhile, John, for whatever reason, he's videoing the hen, you know. So he doesn't he doesn't video me drawing or anything. And then, okay, so John, from your perspective again, so what happened was that first there was
3: two hands the whole time. And when they got over that ridge, the one of, the first time I climbed up, I could see both the hens were just working on that bolt around that bowl, and that Thomas kept going back and forth, back and forth, strutting between them. Well, then when I got back up the second time after I went back down, told Adam, you know, hey, we need to do something, I got up there. I seen the other hen, like, she just she just took off, went off on her own, like straight away, and then that's when the tom really started getting worked up because then he had just that single hen, and what he was doing, he just kept circling her, and then she'd lay down, and he'd come up, and she'd pop up, and that's when Adam was trying to the You know, crawl up, get on top of that mound. And so, you know, I'm, I'm probably
4: 125,
3: 150 yards away. Quite a ways. So I'm zoomed all the way in on the, on the camera. So I'm trying to get like Adam for a minute and then I'd get the birds because I wanted to show the, what Tom was doing. And so I zoomed in on him on, and then you can see that hench, all of a sudden she, you know, like Adam was saying, she, had something. So she kind of got alert, started going like towards him. And then all of a sudden she knew she's like, mm, turn. And for some reason I stayed on her until she got down in the woods. And I'm, I'm thinking like, oh man, this is going to be his opportunity, but I'm not even paying attention to like the cameras doing it at this point. I'm like looking. Matter of fact, in the footage, you can see the camera just kind of stops for a second in the. <laughs> hen had walked out of screen, and I'm like, "Oh shit!" And so I zoomed out, and I luckily got to the, you know, it zoomed out in the frame. Then Adam's up on his knees with the, the draw, you know, full draw, and then you
0: see the arrow fly and end up well you. Yeah, so so I waited. She was going away from me, and I waited till his fan turned, and he was faced away from me, and I just popped up onto my knees, and I put it like right. Midway in his fan, you know, because he was at one point was 43 and I'm at, I'm at 40 on my pin. There's I'm at full draw, I can't range, I can't do it. You know, there was no time to to adjust, and so I just let it fly and it went right between his legs, just skipped right between his legs. And then, and, and then I, 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 I actually knocked another arrow, and by the time I, I knocked the other arrow, he started running, but he didn't know what happened, you know, he never even looked back. So, I mean, it was really cool, and it was one of those things, like, where we just made it happen, but that's what I'm saying, like, I got, I ended up stalking another turkey a couple days later, um, and if I would have been able to just, or, well, not when I, I had, I had five jakes in front of me at 25 yards with no blind or anything, and I was like, there's no way that I can draw this bow, and, because only one of them was really in, like, that I was in shooting Space. They were all in brush and shit. But I was just thinking, you know, with a trad bow, I could just. I would, I would have been a little bit more, you know, instinctual than having to fucking. <laughs> yeah, I just I'd just miss them, you know, with a with a better excuse than than what happened. But like I said, it, you know, after after the fact of that, I, like I didn't feel like bad about miss because I miss stuff all the time. It's not like a new thing for me. <laughs> <laughs>
3: was a, just a cool hunt altogether, though. I mean watching the birds as long as we did and then you
1: know making something happen yeah
0: we made the most of it <laughs> I, yeah, I like it man that's <laughs>
1: tough with a bow man that's one thing we just haven't done really uh me personally i know austin's chased them a couple times but i missed one last uh, there's year with something it. about yeah you did yeah you did there's something about putting pellets to a face for me that, that really does it and, I haven't killed enough birds in my day to, uh, to get to the bow yet, but I don't know. I thought about it this year. I've killed two so far and, um, I've just been filming a lot. So I don't know if I go back out, maybe I've been carrying the shotgun, but, um, you know, more and more, I'm just carrying the camera and following someone around, but I'd like to do it. I kind of want to decap them. I want to do the, you know, the headshot on them because that's what worries me is. You know you you hit them you wound them and they go they they get away i i don't I don't want to wound any animal you
3: know right and that's that was what I was doing this year so um we uh look my hunt you know we set our decoys up close within ten yards
2: yeah and, you know that oh, yeah they
3: kind of hang up and so i built uh I built my own arrows for the the magnus bullhead so you know lop their head off oh yeah and I end up using my target bow basically because it's sixty Because when you build those arrows or even if you buy the, the bullhead arrows pre made, you gotta have a low pounded bow because of the planing. the planing. Oh okay. You know, it's like a propeller on the front of it. The, so there I end up building you know like full length Eastern Axis two sixties with but I I went kind of overboard. I did a six fletch, four inch vein. Super
4: and, interesting. Isn't it?
3: And, uh, <laughs> with that 125 grain head arrow ended up being 35 inches, you know, tip to tip. Oh man. And 660 wow. grains, you know. So it was packing quite a punch, but I, you know, I got it flying good, got my bow sighted in. So the opening, you know, opening day that afternoon, our morning hunt didn't turn out. We ended up, uh, I had roosted some birds the night before, and we, you know, I kind of figured where they were at, and we started walking in in the dark, and I had showed Adam like, okay, I think the birds are here, so we need to walk down to here. Walking in, and I'm like, All right, I need to check this. So I looked on my base map, and I'm like, oh, shit, we're, like, too close. We need to back up. Well, we backed up, set up, and we ended up setting up 35 Oh, 35 yards under the birds. Oh so, man, <laughs> yeah, they—I mean, they're up strutting in the tree above us. Like, and I didn't sound like they were on the ground at that point because I'm in a tent. We—I mean, here I set up the tent, you know, and that's not
0: quiet. And, you know, put the decoys out, and, but yeah, we were we were under them when we backed up. I mean, if you if you if you going, yeah, where where do we need to be? So, I, I got lucky and I
3: did pinpoint them the night before, you know, just by dumb luck. I'm like, I think they're about right there. Well, they were exactly right there. <laughs> but, so that, that didn't, I mean, they come down, they gobbled, uh, we were, you know, seen them, you know, had birds gobble for like two hours after, you know, after daylight. But, so Frank and Ernie, they, Ernie got his bird, they were done by eight o'clock. And, uh, so we end up going back, regrouping at the, our, at Frank's house, the studio. Then we went to this other little chunk of private and end up, we ended up pushing, we got in there and here's, you know, four guys, four trucks, pulling them in a little private. And then we're all walking in single file, you know, doing our social distancing. <laughs> and, uh, Frank and Ernie had set a tent up in there like a few days prior to that. And then I was bringing my tent in. So Adam was going to film out of one, the tent that was there. I'm hunting out of my tent. And then Frank is calling. And then Ernie was doing the, um, he was supposed to be filming too. And so they're back behind us on a log. And we, we ended up bumping birds as we caught in there, but we were just, you know, we didn't, they didn't alarm putt or anything. We just kind of pushed them off. So we got in set up. And Frank's just started calling. I was frustrated at this point. I'm like, man, I call it dilly dicking around. Those Frank's the king of king of that, you know. Just dilly dicking. And it's like we should have been here an hour ago instead of sitting around watching all the video at the at the studio. So (laughs) Yeah. Anyway, I'm sitting in my tent and our our listeners probably already heard this part of it, but I was kind of pissed (laughs) off. I'm like, Man, we push the birds out. I'm just, I end up sitting down in there, I didn't even get my shit all together right. I eat a sandwich and all of a sudden I hear birds coming. Like I, I tell, you know, Frank's calling. But then I heard, like that's a real bird. I looked up. Sure enough, there's two hens and a jake coming on. I, I'm like, Adam, birds are coming back. So at that point, that's what I, that's all I seen. So I I didn't even have my face mask on. I still had my camouflage sweatshirt on, which I normally have a black shirt being in the tent. Yeah. So I pull my face mask on and turn the cameras on. I have a wall camera and then the, I had a tactic camera on my bow. And I get everything ready and all of a sudden it's just like it sounds like they're they're coming between us. It's they're this close. It's like and I look and here's three long beards come out from right next to Adam's tent. I'm like, oh I could have grabbed them. <laughs> at that point, like, as soon as I seen them, then I just started drawing my bow back real, real slow, cause I'm like, they're going right to the, we had a Jake decoy, and a, and a Out and they, those three gobblers went right to that Jake decoy, and they just started strutting around, and then, so, at that point, I'm like, well, oh. I was gonna shoot the one on the right close to the decoy, but he kept turning around, and then like, oh, and so, in the video from, in the tent, you can see me. I'm drawing back, and I keep like I'm going back and forth because I shoot diagonally out of my tent. Okay. Just for so, because I'm six three and I have a real long draw length in that thirty-five inch arrow. I had to have some room in there. So I'm I got the corner post that I have to go back and forth to shoot around. And then I'm thinking, what bird's Adam on? Like, is he on the one on the left or the one on the right? in The middle. <laughs> and finally, the one on the right. Ends up, he turns around and he's like full strutting like right at me. So I just put the pin right in the middle of his throat between his head and his beard and let her fly. And it hit him a little bit low and just like sliced the, the side of his throat. And, oh. But it hit him like, I mean, it was like a Mike Tyson throat punch. Like that thing, that it just <laughs> hit him and he falls back and he turns around, but he takes off. And like, goes over here about 10 yards. And the one the one thing that I always tell Frank and all these guys I'm like, always have a second arrow ready. Like, and that's what happened with Frank, missed the bird last year, shot right through his tail feathers, but, and he would have had another shot, but he, you can you actually hear it in the video. He's clicking around trying to get in second arrow out <sighs> of his quiver. I'm like, you need to have that arrow ready. Well, because John was pissed. He pissed off, like, ah, there ain't no, <laughs> We ain't gonna see no damn birds, and I always spook them out of here. Well, I just took my quiver off, and threw it against the side of the tent, <laughs> so you can actually see me in the video. I like dropped my release, grab an arrow, and just rip it out. Well, my secondary arrow was a it was the same arrow, and, you know, set up except for I put a, a dirt nap, uh, the shred head on it. Oh yeah. That way, for a second, a second shot, I wasn't gonna be, you know, trying to head shoot them. Yeah, you're just Bio. trying to get one in there. Yeah, I get another one in him. So, I'm like, well, he sit, he was sitting there and he looked kind of, you know, he was messed up. Sick. Yeah. And so, I grabbed a second girl and then draw back and I had to get up on my knees and shoot out the side window and, and then, you know, put another one right in him. And meantime, Adam, like, the the angle is perfect because his tent was right to my right. And so he had like jumped up and got the camera like at the perfect angle. You can just see the arrow coming out and it looks like a, a green golf ball. You can just see it spinach. <laughs> That's it's, awesome. Looks like a, it looks like a twelve ring, but it was actually a and the one thing with the shooting birds with a bow is if you're gonna err, you wanna error on the high side because it looked like a perfect shot and when I cleaned that bird, it was basically all brass. Oh man. I shot him right oh. through. It and it broke his breastplate. And so the, the actual killing was the first arrow. Yeah. Like, and you when you watch the the video of playback, he's standing there, and the blood's just kind of shooting out of his throat, so that's what killed him.
2: Yeah. No, that makes sense, so that That's that's kind of why I think Charles is on that game of shooting him with the decap. Like, you either clean mess, or you're, you are killing him, you know? Right. And my arrow, mm-hmm. like, when it hit him, it I mean, it hit him so hard, it broke one
3: of the blades off, and I think that was why it didn't. It, but it, and it took a huge, tough, know, like all of his feathers off the side as it went up. Yeah. And in, in slow motion, you can see the arrow that looks like an S. Like, it's pretty gnarly on the, the power that it, it you know, dissipated into that bird. But had it not, yeah, if I wouldn't have, like, cut his throat like that, he would have been just missing some feathers it wasn't you know
4: right
1: yeah i think that's where the appeal for me is um you know it's not about the the gruesomeness of chopping a a turkey's head off with an arrow or anything it's just the fact that the humane thing to do and the ethical thing that when you shoot them it's one or two outcomes you're either going to clean miss or you might you know tough them up or something and but Typically, if you hit them, you hit them in the right spot, and you take the right shots, you, it's going to be a pretty clean kill. Yeah. So I'm, I'm looking into it. Maybe next year. Maybe next year. It's I don't like know. Ernie, we'll
3: see. Ernie, on his bird, he shot his at 17 yards, and he was, you know, shooting a, a two-blade rage, and he made yeah. a perfect, you know, 12-ring shot. That bird didn't go like 14 yards and never even flopped. Just cut the top of his heart right off. so Mm
1: -hmm. So. yeah i got nothing wrong with that either by any means it's just i think the way i would want to do it probably try to chop its head off just uh like i said i think that'd be more my cup of tea but i'm not opposed to putting uh putting a nice wide cut broadhead through one either you know i definitely would do my research and you got to do the background on it you know do your research look at the anatomy study it study your aiming points at all different angles because the target's so small, you know, you're aiming at such a small area that you really got get to them, get them good to, to kill them and, and then recover them. Yeah, see, like, two
3: years ago, I was actually, I bought those uh, Magnus bullheads. It was two seasons ago. And I was shooting my regular hunting bow at the time, and I couldn't get them to fly good out of the bow. So it wasn't, like, I'm not even going to risk it. And so I ended up uh, buying... These four-inch uh, expandables and those four-inch expandables. Four-inch. They're they're. Oh, I think they're yeah. technically <laughs> a crossbow arrow, <laughs> but end up you know that bow. I had, end up having my eighty-pound limbs on, so I'm shooting eighty-pound limbs. And oh, God bless you. It's that that four-inch expandable, one hundred sixty-five grains. So I'm mm-hmm. like, well they'll definitely do the trick. But I never got a bird in range, you know, last year.
0: Real close.
3: Yeah, they came in around 60 But
0: We had five guys, no blind, camera, collar, two bows, (laughs) and uh, the real hen just, just took them away, but they came in twice.
2: Oh, yeah, you can never compete with those real hens, man. They're you just gotta scare them off Ah, you know you
1: know
2: it's horrible Uh, we
1: had one we had one this morning uh myself and two buddies i ran the camera we had one buddy on the gun and another one back behind calling and man it, it just happened all too fast when we first got in there we had them gobbling off the roost and we got in and probably got about yeah, right. We got right on the edge of the boundary to where we had permission. He was on the private ground that um, we didn't have any permission on, and gobbling his head off. And of course, he just stayed pretty much hung up at 100 yards. So we moved down. He was working down uh, like a, a ridge, basically. It was pretty flat, but you had swampy area on one side. You had a big open field on the other side, and then there was just a, a strip of hardwoods. It was just gorgeous, scratchings all through it, and it eventually turned right and met up with our property. So we just took the line the whole way down Ended up catching up to that bird. He fed off with the hen. Um, we had that hen so pissed off out of the roost. He was double, triple, quadruple gobbling at us. We were, we were having a cackling war back and forth and uh, we ended up getting all the way up on him and he, we just kept calling as we got closer, calling as we got closer, well, he started, I think we got the hen curious. He started to come in. We went to set up. He got too close too quick. We were one tree away from getting set up perfectly. And there was a big down log with a big root mass hanging out. And we ended up getting set up behind it on a tree, which I knew was going to be an issue. And sure enough, what that pawn do, he comes in and he struts just behind that log. You can see the top of his tail fan the whole way back and forth along that log at 25 yards. And then the hen came in behind them and the hen came and it basically fed right up to us. And then she turned around and what well, we didn't know at the time, because I've never hunted, we've never hunted this property before. There's a four-wheeler trail that we didn't see that. And she hit that four-wheeler trail coming right to us. She lost interest in, the, in our buddy calling back behind us. She took off up the four-wheeler trail. He never broke strut the, the whole time. Really cool bird. And I, I, I hope tomorrow we have a plan to go get him because you can't misidentify him. He has a huge gap in the middle of his tail fan. He's he's missing probably a feather or two. Just a beautiful, I mean, this is a giant, giant bird. His tail fan's huge. And I had him all over camera. I could have killed him a hundred times, but my buddy was on the left side of the tree. I was on the right side of this giant tree. And sure enough, I had all the shots in the world and he didn't have any. And, uh, they ended up literally that hen turned. Once she went, he followed. I mean, he didn't care anymore. He didn't care that our, we were calling back behind us. He, he, no interest. He was going wherever that hen was going. And man, it was a close call, boys. It was a close <laughs> call today. Poor Tanner. That's crazy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Poor Tanner. <laughs> poor Tanner. He had a rough day today. <laughs> That's what it's all about, man.
0: Yeah, John. I want to go back thing. though. Oh, go
1: ahead. I'm sorry, sorry, Adam. I, I want to go back to the building of the arrows thing, man. If you guys want to jump off the turkey talk, because I know you you kind of covered that a lot in your episodes. Um, how in the hell do you fit six fletchings on a single arrow for one? And is this the only time you've tried six? You usually shoot four. I'm guessing. I usually, I usually shoot four, but I've built a
3: bunch of six flush arrows. Didn't you uh, build one yeah. with more? What's that?
0: Didn't you build one with more? Or you were talking about trying to um, get eight, or
3: I was gonna. I actually got some new uh, new veins. I got the the PM twenty threes, which I have a nice small base, and I'm pretty sure I can get eight on an Eastern Axis. I can for sure get eight um, on oh, yes. like a Carbon Express. Wow! But, but so I mean, it's uh, with Like, I normally shoot the, the AAE Max Stealth, and they usually have a really wide base. So, when you do a six fletch with those, there's basically, if you look at it, there's, you see no shaft in between the veins. They just fit. Oh, man. What you do is, like, I use a Bitsenberger jig, so you put it on your, you know, your three vein standard, and you do three veins, you fletch it up normal, and you let it dry, and then you just take it off, spin it 180, and put it back on, and then you do your other three. So it's it's, it's super simple. It's way, sim, way simple. What kind
4: of helical are you putting on that?
3: It's like I use a right helical um, jig, and then I have probably a one-degree offset.
4: Just yeah, what nice. I do is
3: I just, you know, with the Bitsenberger, you can't really, it doesn't have any actual gauge on the offset. But I just, I just move it until I get the perfect lay on the shaft. Yeah. And I, I don't, don't ever mess with it after that. And I I pretty much only shoot east axis, but it, it works for all my other, uh, all the other arrows too. Nice. So yeah, I've, I have some target arrows with the little, the tiny 2.0s and those are pretty cool. I like red, white and blue. You spin it, it looks purple. (laughs)
4: <laughs> I like that. And I made some
3: for uh the Total Archery Challenge a couple years ago. I made up a whole set with the Eastern and Axis with the with those same 2.0s. And they've and you've f- had that as a six six flats, yeah.
0: And you've had that one arrow forever with all white that looks like a golf ball.
3: Yeah. <laughs> and the, those are uh the fusion veins, and that's actually what I put on this these turkey arrows. I uh well the very first Sixth fletch I did was with white three inch fusion vanes. I still have it and I still shoot it every once in a while. But I, sh- the one year up at Toller Challenge, I mean, it was so windy and all my other arrows were getting, you know, just blown all around. So I put that on and it was getting blown around, but it, it would end up like tracking back and I was hitting my spot. So, and it looked like a white really? golf ball
1: flying through the air. That's wild. <laughs> That was going to be my next question, basically, was how, because you mentioned total archery challenges are pretty long distances. Oh, yeah. You're talking about a six-vein, that's a lot of wind drag, I would think, but you're saying otherwise.
3: Yeah, it's, you know, I got the idea from uh, listening to a podcast with, you know, John Dudley, Knock On. Oh, yeah. And, oh, and Mike Slinker, and, else well, was it not, it's not Randy Elmer, but. Pretty sure it was Mike Slinkard, and he's done all kinds of testing on, like, the most quiet. See, he's from Oregon, so they have to use fixed blade broadheads.
4: Mm-hmm. Right. And
3: so he was, he did all kinds of testing to find out, like, different configuration, different veins, every different, you know, manufacturer, uh, three fletch, four fletch, and six fletch. And he actually uses a six fletch fusion. Four inch fusion, and that is his most accurate long. And this guy shoots a lot of long distance stuff. He's, uh, that's how Dudley and him know each other is from shooting competition years ago. Yeah, and he's actually the guy who uh, he started Winter Choice bowstrings. Now he oh he sold that out. Now he has the hex suits, which yeah we 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 wear those all turkey season. I'd say i had some pretty good luck this year that I think if I wouldn't have been wearing my hex I wouldn't I am have gotten. I'm very some
2: hesitant of the hex suit.
3: <laughs> I sat outside the blind when I was filming for Frank and I had a Tom come in ten steps for me. Like when we got done I got off and I was sitting on just my little tripod, tripod chair outside the tent next to it and I had a little fabric netting around like my bottom half. But I'm literally sitting up. I'm six three. So when I'm sitting on that little chair, I have my tripod with the camera in front of me. I just like was like knelt over the camera, but I'm turning my head and I'm talking to Frank. Like, Frank, you see this gobbler? And he's, he couldn't see it from the angle, but there was a hen coming from straight away. And he's like, it's a hen. I'm like, no, it's a gobbler right next to us. But I'm doing all this and filming. (laughs) And this bird's over here and end up with three jakes and this bird just strutting, he ends up going after the jakes and never seen. And I've had him bust me back years ago, you know, turkey hunting with a gun, you know, sitting against a tree and you just move a little bit and they're 50 yards. And they, they're like, that ain't right. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm sitting there turning my head and moving, but I have the full, I have a full hex suit with the gloves and the face mask and everything. The only thing I don't have is socks, but I'm not moving my feet. But <laughs>
2: yeah. so I have, to, a believer,
4: huh?
3: I have to say I, I believe in it.
2: Okay. All right. I mean, I feel like that's kind of you got to try it to believe it sort of thing. Not a see it to believe it, but a try it to believe it sort of right. thing. You got to have your own experience with it to really tell. But, and, yeah, I mean,
3: well. not to get off the arrow subject, but that's who I – you know, Mike Slinkard had done a lot of research and it's like and I think he uses the I can't remember the program for getting the sight tapes and stuff but he does like a, a four, he puts Side in a IQ?
4: 4
3: IQ. not sure if it's that one or not but he uh, puts it in as a four fletch and his sight tape still is basically the same so it's he's not getting that much drop at like a hundred yards. Interesting. And I shoot that same arrow with all my other four-fletch. And, you know, I, I'm not good enough at 100 yards to say it's dropping one way or, you know, or the other. But,
4: but yeah, so 100 yards last is a year, shot man.
3: Yeah, it's – I mean, That's I, I have, like, on my side lot here, I have a hill that goes up, and I my bag is up at the top of the hill. Like for our toll archery challenge, um, the, it was 111 yards for the the truck shoot, and so I set it up to where the I could stand at the edge of my driveway, right on the blacktop, and my bag's 109 yards, and so <laughs> I shoot that quite a bit. But it's good practice for we shoot that all day, and you know. The closest I have, the closest shot I usually take is I walk outside and stand by my bush right at the front of my garage, and it's 67 yards. That's where my pin always stays. Oh, man. So,
2: well, yeah, that's not a bad thing. Those easy shots become just yeah, chip
3: shots when you're shooting like that all the time. Exactly. And like, it's giant. <laughs> so the doe, like I shot a doe last season and ended up being a 47-yard shot, which is a long shot, and yeah. I don't know. You know, I don't recommend people taking that shot if you're not comfortable. But it wasn't there was no doubt in my mind. Like this is, you know, it's going to be an easy shot. I mean, you're talking about a live animal, and it's, you know, the ethical part of it.
2: Yeah, well, I don't feel like that's super out of bounds. I mean, I shot a bucket 43 yards one time and just absolutely annihilated him ten ring. But you know. If you practice that shot consistently, like you're saying, you come out of your house and you shoot sixty-seven yards, like that's your shot all the time. And if you're really laying a in like that, I don't have a problem with you shooting forty yards right. at all. I mean, that's right. And that's that's, that's your
3: comfort talking. zone plus some,
4: right? So yeah, I shoot. You
3: know, especially with the tolerance challenge, you know, we we go up and do that those courses, and some of the one course, like sixty yards, is the shortest shot. Right? Yeah. And you go all the way up to 127. is one of the longest.
4: That's so. insane. It's got to be fun, though. It's got to be not, a lot of fun.
1: It's a blast.
0: Yeah, we thought weird. about
4: doing it this year.
0: <laughs> yeah, ours is ours got rescheduled, and it falls right into where everybody's leaving for elk. So, uh, we gotta. And 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 you know we have a lot of fun with it. We we have like the perfect condo that we stay in, and just I mean everything comes together just great. We did a big cookout for uh, the podcast last year with uh, the hunt podcast and uh, the habitat podcast guys were up there. and You know, we talked to, you know, a few other podcasts while we were up there and, you know, just, it becomes kind of like an ATA environment where there's guys that you see once a year where you get to hang out and, and kind of do your thing. And um, it's really disappointing uh, not being able to go this year, but you know, it's kind of one of those things, you know, we talk to people and they say, does, you know, when we were talking to the guys from Tacticam, they're like, well, does you guys with the podcast and everything, do you guys still get time to hunt? It's like the podcast doesn't get in the way of our hunting. That's not, uh, you know, that's not, (laughs) it's not the way that it works. (laughs) So it's unfortunate, but what are you going to do? Yeah, no, I'm
2: right there with you, man. We had, I think ours was scheduled for, what was the date this year, Charles? Was it July or was it August? Um, or am I far I off say, on that?
4: I thought it was before
2: August. No, was, it was early. was Seven Springs. Yeah. Was, there, was it June? It was
4: supposed to be, no, it was supposed to be like the
1: end of May. Last weekend of May, maybe. Of May, okay. Exactly.
2: Okay, That's well, so I, like I might have been far. way off on that, but I remember looking back in I think february and it was everything was solidly booked i mean there wasn't there were no times to shoot so that kind of yeah we looked in, my plans for coming
1: in might have been farther back than that it might have been january or so we were looking at it and it was just like everything was taken all the time mm-hmm. slots yeah. everything was gone we were we were way behind schedule
4: on that one yeah, So next year we gotta be in like you know october
0: <laughs> no. no they did they um uh released like the early bird dates or whatever was while we were at a t a so we actually booked everything at a t a and it crashed their their server and so uh when we did finally get to sign up, like we were all over the board too, as far as our knock times and everything, yeah,
2: cool. that's crazy, yeah, and maybe next do. year for us, Yeah. so we've been
3: doing it this would have been what our fourth year mm-hmm. And oh, so,
4: nice.
3: you know, we get early bird options since we've already, you know, been there. And so we'd get like 9 a.m. Try to get a 9 a.m. start every day. That way, you could get two courses. in.
0: Yeah. And then you're hungover, <laughs> and you're laying in the bushes waiting for your knock time.
2: <laughs> yeah. So how many how many errors are you guys taking if you're shooting two full cool courses? You guys shooting like. Losing sixteen arrows a day, or what are you guys doing? I I lost one one arrow last year.
0: Oh, I went you're like sorry, ten. Man,
4: that's
0: one. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but, uh, that's but, more what I was thinking. <laughs> yeah, I, last year I just had the worst. Um, I I developed target panic. Welts on the course, um, and then a lot. Of, I mean, the shots are so tight. Um, it's not like losing arrows. Like you might lose an arrow if you're not John. Um on the 125 yard shot or um, a lot of times you'll forget to move your sight tape from one to the other. And then all of a sudden you just send it into fucking oblivion. But they, they they set them up like so tight that what was happening with me is I forget what is the archer's paradox, you know, the moving of the arrow. Right. So when I was hitting the, the target I'd hit, you know, total archery challenge, basically foams your friend, but you know you could you could shoot a a a ten ring, an eight, or whatever, and the arrow would slap up against a tree, and it would bust the shaft of my arrows. It was breaking the knocks when I. Oh man! And I mean, how many times did that happen, John? I broke a lot of arrows. Yeah, I mean,
3: because I mean, like you say in the. They set up the targets, and you might see part of the kill zone at 60, 70 yards. It's yeah, like basically, like I'm just gonna send it. I'm gonna aim right for the tree, and know I'm not gonna hit the tree.
4: <laughs> and the
3: trees around it just littered oh. it looks like a porcupine.
0: Oh God, yes.
3: There's there's <laughs> yeah. a couple that like you look up. The one was like this buck up a hill about a hundred yards, and it's like there's. Brush pile? What the hell? There's a whole brush pile in front of this deer. Like you had to shoot through <laughs> a brush pile, like
0: at 109 yards. It was yeah. 109 yards with a brush pile in front of the deer.
3: So you just gotta drop it. them in there, man. Lob them. Yep. 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 Yeah. Drop the bombs, man. You're lofting them right over it.
4: <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh. uh, I can see where the, uh, the addiction gets for those, and where all the fun comes from. That oh. does sound like a blast.
3: There's some of the shots, man. Like where you walk into the spot, you stand by the cone or the stake, and you're like, everyone's looking around, like, where the hell's
0: the target? Like, and the the guys in front of you are looking back, and they're going, "It's in the woods." Like, yeah, no shit. (laughs) Look
3: for the pink ribbon. I mean, what? Holy, there it is!
0: Like, but there's a one spot. There's a few shots that just kind of like stick in my mind as like. Like epic, like iconic shots. Like the first year that we were going elk hunting, like there's a perfect 55 yard downhill shot at this elk, like simulated in this wallow. Um, the one shot on the one course, it's the first shot you shoot over this pond at a carp or an alligator or a hippo or some shit, and it's like 80 yards over a pond and it's in the water, so you're oh. like. You like you're either in the bank in the water or you get the animal. But the one is, it's usually about like an 85 yard shot, and it's like a the last couple of years has been either a bear or a, a sheep. But John, that one that's on that um, the downhill and you got to shoot between those two big trees and there's that stump behind it. Oh yeah, and it's usually that go. I mean, it's so cool because you like. You have to shoot between these like goalposts of these two big like oak trees, <laughs> and it's like probably 12, 15 feet apart. But at that distance, it looks like there's no way you're going to be able to make it through there, and then you know into the animal, into the target. Um, it's just so cool, like the way that they set up some of that stuff.
3: And it's about thirty feet up in the tree because the way the the the, the lay of the land, like you're on the side of a hill. And yeah. The, goes way down and then the bear is up on the other side of the hill and so you're shooting through the crotch of that tree that <laughs>
2: oh man <laughs> that's unreal man i i we've considered it so many times and i always kind of i try and keep up with everybody on social media when they're there watching everything and you know seeing some of the core shots and stuff like that it's always kind of blown my mind and i've always wanted to do it i just every year it just kind of slips my mind i don't get the registration right or I totally
0: forget it or I schedule something else. Well, if it's you're going to do it or if time it, for. It, but even if I'm on the fence with with something like that, I would say like if you don't get in like right away, like Saturday's you're screwed. I mean, it, everybody wants to go on Saturday. Friday night isn't very busy. Mm-hmm. But Sunday the place is dead. So you really? could you could buy just Sunday if you just wanted to shoot. Yeah. And it really doesn't matter after the first set of knock times. So after like noon or like when they run out of knock times, you can do whatever you want to. And Total Archery channels is probably like, shut up, don't say that. But like it does not matter. Like you there is no policing. There is it's kind of like a I don't know.
3: Almost, I, as long it, as you it, have a band on your on your bow.
0: But I've even thought about this for this year, John. Like for you and I, like so, this is just this is totally awful, and you know I would never do this as a bad person, but um, you could go up there and hang out and shoot the practice course without a band, oh yeah, and you could and you could do whatever you wanted to, you could get the the feel for the entire thing um and just hang out and shoot the practice course and I can tell you at least in at Boeing, they need to do a better job of checking bands on the sick bus. I can tell you that. At the <laughs> on the chairlifts, they they do a pretty good job, but the bus they don't do they don't do a very good job at that. So you can shoot sick, of course, for free. I think. Well, I just I was just looking <laughs> it up. The Seven
3: Springs has moved to August twentieth through the twenty third now. That might be why August was in my mind then. And so, you know, it with, got like with us. They might have some cancellations now and have some open slots, you know, if that's something that you guys can still do.
4: you know,
2: Yeah, yeah I'm going to have to look into that after this, see what's going on with it. I, it's a lot of fun. I might just be able to, to make something like that happen. We'll see. Just to, you
3: know, challenge each other and see who can make it through that little hole, and, you know, make the shot. You know, we keep score, but it's not like. I don't even think I added mine up last year. It's like
0: year. foam. I mean, foam is your friend. Yeah, I mean, like, yeah. just, just being able to hit the creature at 100 yards, you're like, fuck, yeah. I mean, I know that there was one time I pinwheeled complete 12 ring at 85 yards, and it was like, throw your bow up, I'm done. Never again. Like, And then there was ones where, like,
4: <laughs> you know,
0: oh, man,
3: you're laying up. What the hell? Yeah, I'm getting foam right now. Shoot him in the butt. But, <laughs> yeah. you know. It's out in the open but his vitals are covered with a you know like a whole shrub. It's like yeah I'm going for the I'm going for the vitals man. Screw it.
4: <laughs> $12. <laughs> <laughs>
3: <laughs> yeah. I did I lost <laughs> one arrow and I broke two.
2: That's not so bad honestly. I feel like I've heard a lot worse
3: than that. Oh but I bring 18 or you know 20
4: arrows just in case yeah. Right. yeah.
0: Oh, I was on arrows bigger. last year. I was like down until I found an arrow that matched my setup. It didn't have the same <laughs> insert, but I was like, I was like, this is, this one's going in the quiver. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I like it. Man. We got to keep like the it. Keep the technical talk going. Um, what what sight are you guys using? Then if you're making 125 yard shots. You got to have a pretty decent sight.
3: So I shoot uh, the Excel, um, the AV. I have two different ones. I have the, like the, I have a five pin slider that I use in my mm-hmm. hunting bow. But when I go up to the art, the toll arch challenge, I usually just put my single pin on the year before yeah. last. I didn't, I had my, cause we were going out elk hunting. And so I, that was my elk setup from 20 to 60, you know, 20, 30, 40, 50, 60. And, and then my 60 yard pin is my floater. Yeah. So that way going out, I'm all set. I'm not moving pins, you know, and leaving, you
4: know,
3: an option of error where – how many times have you heard, like, oh, I forgot to move my pin? That just yeah, happened to right. uh, Joe from, the you know, the hunting beast on the on a buck down in Ohio. The night before, he had a buck come through at 40 yards. He set his pin at 40 yards. Well, it didn't work out. <laughs> the next morning, he went out, he forgot to move his pin, and he ended up shooting a monster in the horns because – I remember yeah,
2: that. I saw that video. Right. Yeah. So that's the one,
3: one thing I tell people, like, unless you're Cameron Haynes, use, use multiple pins and get a slider sight like that. So, okay. So I shoot my elk at 40 yards Mm -hmm. and he runs out to 80. Mm -hmm. Well, now just like with the turkey, I'm going to try to get another arrow and I'm going to, you know, range him, set my, Set my slider to eighty, and use my bottom pin as the rover, and but I'm not going to shoot it at the elk. My first shot, like, oh, there's this elk out there eighty yards. I'm going to fling an arrow at him. You know, I wouldn't do that. But yeah, you know, I have the option to try to get a second, you know, arrow in him at a longer distance. No, oh, I'm with you, man. Just try and get a blader going. Yeah, so so for like up there, I use I have the uh, the carbon rod. And and then I have the AV forty one scope from Excel.
4: Oh man, okay.
0: Yeah, I, shoot, Adam? <laughs> I, shoot, I shoot the um, uh, HHA Kingpin Optimizer light, and um, I I really like that. Um, but as evidence to buy the uh, my my turkey thing this year, I mean, literally, if I had had a, a five pin sight or whatever, I could have made a little bit of a better adjustment there. Um, so that's really got me thinking. And then, I mean, so when we went out elk hunting, I did the same thing as I put on a five pin site that I, that was all set and, um, had that bottom slider. And, uh, that was, um, that was actually a dead ringer. It was like one of their cheaper, it, it was like probably like the cheapest, um, slider, five pin slider site that's available. I think it was like under a hundred dollars. Um, and I was really actually surprised. I thought it was going to be a polymer site. It was actually all aluminum and, uh, oh, nice. It, I mean, I was, I was fairly impressed with it, but the, the catch 22 of that is like, a, I'm really cheap. Um, so that's, I wanted to see what the quality of that was going to be. And what was funny is that I bought that site or I had questions about that site. I asked the guys at ATA uh, as far as like the setup or the tapes or anything like that. They had no idea. They didn't have the answers. Um, So setting up that site was um, a little bit more difficult. Um, But, you know, the sites are so freaking expensive. And with those five pin sliders, three pin sliders, whatever, is I feel like just like we talked about at the Total Archery Challenge, you know, you adjust that site from the day before or whatever. And now you're using that bottom pin as your, uh, you know, as your floater. Well, you adjust that down to 60, 80, 40, whatever. Well, that turns your 20-yard pin into your 40-yard pin or whatever. And if you forget, neglect, like, to move that back, and especially, like, in, like, the elk hunting situation, if you were to do something like that, then, you know, how long is it between elk encounters or when you're moving around? Now, so they they all have their their own merit, but um, that's something that I've got to look at right now um, going back out West and chasing after elk again is, uh, I've given that site away. So I've got to, I got to make some And there's, there is one, uh, whatever that site that Ernie has, it's that it's like the option seven or option five or option three or whatever, super expensive sites, but it folds in and it's got all the pins and then you fold it out. And that bottom one is a single pin, uh, floater. Um, (laughs) So it's uh, it's a it's a pretty novel idea. It's a pretty cool site.
3: The only thing I don't yeah. like about that is it's not a round housing.
0: Right, it's a oblong housing. Yep.
3: Yeah. Mm. I was yeah, just thinking dig that or not. Mine's actually called the Accutouch Carbon Pro. So that's the, the Excel site that I use.
0: And 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 so for me, like being like a not a good bow hunter, a not a, a b not a not a archer, technical, all that stuff, like everything that John does. And why that would be important is like for indexing your peep site, you know, you're, you're, you know, that's another consistency. That's another, you know, anchor point, another, you know, uh, thing that you can make for consistency for a good shot. Um, And so that doesn't enter my mind automatically where, you know, John pipes right up and says, you know, you know, he doesn't give himself enough credit. He says, you know, I'm just the guy. You know, this Adam's podcast and all this stuff. I say I can't do this without John. You know, when he gets into bows and and arrows and sights and all this stuff, you know, uh, lest we forget, that's why I was over there. Um, you know, I'm asking him these questions of saying, like, what about this? What about that? What about this? Because I see stuff and I'm like, oh, that's pretty. That That's shiny. That's new. That's cool. And John's like back to like, mm, well, you know. 50 years ago whenever they used to have this and they changed it to this because of this reason or this or this or this and i mean you know the guy's making his own bowstrings he's made he's made my bowstrings you know from scratch just out of scrap metal in his garage and some youtube videos and shit so i mean <laughs> when John says this is this is why this isn't a good idea um you, you got to kind of take note
2: yeah. yeah yeah that makes total sense i know uh our site <laughs> setups aren't nearly as crazy as that. I think, Chuck, what are you rocking? A Trophy Ridge, I think. Trophy, trophy yeah, Ridge, needs, ridge. yeah, yeah. I've been thinking about going. And I'm rocking a lot an, an HHA Optimizer or... light. That's it's not even like that technical
0: either. Yeah, I had one of those for a long time.
2: Yeah, I, I love it. I mean, it's
1: awesome. But I went from a, uh, I started off with a fixed single pin sight, and then upgraded to a three pin sight. Five was too many pins. Me, so I went back to a three pin, but I'm thinking this year I want to try to look into maybe a, a three pin with the bottom one as your floater. So
4: yeah,
1: um, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna start doing some shopping around and looking uh, real soon here as soon as I can get my mind off turkeys. Hmm.
0: It's hard real quick here, um, how old are you guys?
4: I'll be thirty in a month.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. So so, yeah. so and how old are you, Austin?
2: be 30 in august
0: yeah so that's why you know we were talking about john being in your hometown years ago for a fireworks convention that was what 1990 john
2: yeah that was the year i was born i wasn't gonna say that but that's that's
0: that's that's kind of what i was getting at so you You were there
2: for my birth
3: (laughs) yeah i'm 45 so
0: yeah so when you're talking about like starting off with a one pin side or this i mean like the The bows that I got, like the first bow that I got from uh, a garage sale or hand-me-down or whatever, um, I had an option between a Bear Alaskan and this like PSE Sprint or something. Um, You know, so it had an actual bowstring, but they had metal cables that were coated. Um, You know, we had single like housing with a pin that you moved with a little, you know, oh, yeah. thing. And, and, and John's setup was the same or, you know, right, right in that same era, you know, he's a little bit older than I am, but you know, my father-in-law, like I alluded to before, Frank, you know, he used to work at the bow shop and he was there for the transition from uh traditional archery to the first, um, the, the the first compound bows and everything. So, you know, I mean my dad up until you know very very recently still used that exact same site that exact same you you remember the the tritium uh pin, yep, and that's what he used, or you know we had a a nine volt battery zip tied to our site, and you'd like <laughs> click it on when it got to like um to be dusk or whatever you know there was a lot of different options as far as setting that up but and it was always the two like the cobra two thing where you had to sit it on there and then you had something hot glued to your bow that held it on there like the trad guys have you know so yeah um you know you say like we're not that advanced like mm, it's pretty advanced you know from the the shit i was slinging i shouldn't say say that you're right you're right yeah
4: Yeah, I mean we're
1: in that era. I'll be honest. I mean, when I first started, same thing. Hand me downs. My dad and my older brother—they got into it completely on their own. No one to shown the ropes. They went from, you know, like you said, traditional bows to the first compounds, and it was like night and day difference. But I still remember the metal prongs and that sound when you draw your bow back on those metal prongs. Man. The whole way back, and uh, it, you know, whisker biscuits and uh, those came around and they were the coolest thing ever. And then, you know, I remember the slap of the your peep site from the tube, the old tube slap. <laughs> <laughs> We've come a long way in technology from, I mean, how I've been doing this shoot since I was 14, so 16 years now as well, so uh there's a lot that that we've come from from where we were that's for sure <laughs> you you're absolutely right there adam
0: yeah and so you know for you guys you know we've, we you know you got john talking and that's a, that's great you know but so but for you guys you know you you talked about like being the most technical hunters that you know and you know you guys are, are uh you know, dolling it up with all the the antlers in the background and all that. For all we know, they're deadheads, you know, right? So, um, <laughs> we, we, let, let's, you know, you don't get to uh, to talk about tactics on your show, but, you know, being in PA, you know, you've got, you know, what the highest hunter population or, you know, second to Michigan or whatever. You know, you guys are right up there as far as that. Um, when you, what do you think are the biggest things that have helped you, to become, you know, these, you know, to, to find these deadheads, um, in, in, in the state with all these, these great PA hunters, you know, with so many of them, how how do you, uh, what do you think has helped you with that?
1: Well, you know, usually if you look around water, that's where you (laughs)
0: find them
1: in the off season, but (laughs) so, uh, honestly, I'll say it a million times the, the, the biggest thing for me uh, was actually probably podcasts, um, to be honest, to, to adapt from when, when I first started hunting, you know, learning from my father who was is arguably probably one of the, the best deer killers that I know. Um, that man never goes to season without killing multiple multiple deer. Um, he knows how to read, sign, get on fresh sign, adapt to pressure which you always have to do i mean um some of our state game lands you might be setting up 100 yards from another guy you know or within 100 yards from another guy sometimes and it could just be that little bit of difference but you know i found i killed a lot of deer but i was never you know ding on the mature bucks or seeing that many although i've always had opportunity Uh, i'll be honest with you if i if I had the bow I had today, and I can blame it on the bow I want, but it was mostly me. If I shot straighter growing up, I could. You wouldn't be looking at this little dinky thing behind me. I shot with my gun the first buck I ever killed. You'd be looking at one hell of an impressive wall, um, you know. And I guess you can always attribute that to one spending a lot of time out in the field, but learning to read fresh sign, get on fresh sign, and my biggest thing is going mobile. Uh, you know we were always mobile hunting with climbers Uh, you know you can there's there's a lot of good trees out in Pennsylvania where a a guy with a climbing stand on his back can really do a lot of damage and I know that's like so archaic and rock age now and to be honest I haven't picked mine up in three years ever since I started going with a mobile setup and I attribute a lot of that to Austin kind of starting me in that game with the first um, hang on stands and mobile sticks, and then, you know, just listening to podcasts. A uh, Hunting Beast podcast is a great podcast you can listen to for tactics. There's some Bow Hunter Chronicles podcast I heard once or twice, and they have really good casts. If you listen to the you learn a thing or two. But, uh <laughs> you can learn a lot, man. And honestly, you can. And I think with the technical side, just with Austin and I, we've gotten more in-depth on thermals and wind and, you know, um, just so much more than I would ever, ever, ever in a million years do. You know, back when I first started, it was, um, you know, go to an area that you've had luck with in the past, see something maybe off the distance, and the next day you adapt and you kill deer, you know, in that spot. Um, You're always moving around, moving towards the newer fresher sign being out in the woods to be able to experience and see it so i mean i guess from uh, from our standpoint and my standpoint i've gotten way more in depth on on setups and and it's helped me get on so many deer i mean i had seven shot opportunities this year in the first 10 days of the season so um i mean they were doe, but again that's all nine that was all public land you know allegheny national forest big woods um you know, when you can get it done on public land in Pennsylvania, I think that's something to be said and I think it's the same as if you were to get it done on public land in a lot of places, especially Michigan and Pennsylvania and, and where we're at up here in the north. That's pretty long winded, but
0: hey, no, that's fine and I you know, I wanna go backtrack on a a little bit of that, but I wanna hear from Captain Deadhead himself, Austin over here, you know, what uh what, what do you think has, is has, has helped you, you know, what are, what are some of the tactics or the things, you know, because like I say, you know, for our listeners and things like that, like they gravitate to us because I suck and it makes them feel better as hunters. Um, so, you know, how, how have you, you know, been able to, you know, with all the pressure, everything that goes on in, in Pennsylvania and, uh, you know, we've heard a lot of good things about the antler point restrictions and things like that, but it still takes, you know, getting around those other hunters and and working around it, or is it just, you got deep pockets and, you know, you you got a a game farm that you, you frequent? (laughs)
2: Uh, The game farm thing. Yeah. High fence only for me. (laughs) (laughs) No, uh, I'm kind of on the same train as Charles. I mean, I might've got in the podcast game a little bit earlier than him kind of learning and that's not to say that i didn't really have great mentors growing up like my grandfather my my uncles you know teaching me the the fundamentals of hunting was you know excellent from them but really getting technical and and like charles said the hunting beast like hunting the beast style tactics and being mobile kind of uh that kind of really took me up into the next tier of things and you know the whole pressure thing with pennsylvania And we kind of downplay it sometimes, but it really is real. I mean, you guys, you know, you're up in Michigan, hunting pressure is astronomical. Like if you brought guys from Iowa out here, they'd have a hell of a time just even getting on deer in general, you know, but my biggest thing was really learning to look for those areas that are just overlooked and I don't care if you're. Hunting the Allegheny National Forest, like Charles said, where it's 80,000 acres and you just find that one pocket that guys aren't touching. Or you're finding like a local little 10-acre piece that just holds deer. And no one really thinks about it. It might be surrounded by an HOA and you have to get permission from everybody. But that kind of style is kind of how I feel like we can get it done a little bit more than most of the so-called jabroni hunters in Pennsylvania, you know?
0: (laughs) And and so when you're talking about your mobile setups, what are you guys running for? What what makes you mobile? What are, what are your setups?
2: So I was kind of like Charles before. I was running a really old climber for a long time. And then I switched over to an XOP Vanish and Lone Wolf Sticks. And I ran that for two or three years. And then last year, I stayed with the XOP for like my first two or three hunts. And I actually turned into a saddle hunter last year. I don't know if I mentioned that or not, but I'm a saddle hunter now. Saddle hunting is the best saddle. Um, <laughs> but that was really a game changer for me, too. Even my sticks and stand setup was pretty light. But switching to a saddle, I mean, man, it's like non-existent. But uh, that, that's kind of how I think Charles kind of got into it a little bit last year, too, the saddle hunting, getting a little bit more light, getting a little bit more agile.
0: Well, so you did say saddle hunter, uh, game changer. And you did say, uh lightweight, so you are definitely a podcast host uh, you know, and, and that's the only thing I mean i we talked a little bit about crossFit and your uh how you switched over from veganism uh right before the podcast, and I didn't hit record, so I missed that uh, and, oh, charles, God. what is your what's your setup
1: <laughs> So I am currently trying to sell my trophy line. Uh, ambush that I have right now because I went from same thing, API climber stand to the XOP vanish with the lone wolf sticks. And then I ran last year, the lone wolf sticks with either Austin's homemade platform with my trophy 1.0 Yeah. Or, uh, I actually, I did run a couple times. I ran the, the steps, the, Three um, wild edge steps around the tree, which I didn't mind, but I do like the platform. So my thoughts for next year are, I'm uh, probably going to pick up a ridge runner. I'm uh, really liking what the ridge runner looks like and what it offers as far as from a tree stand guy that I've always hunted tree stands. I kind of like the, that I can stand up on it, pull my backpack up, and you know do whatever I need to do. It I think it adds comfort as well. Um, I'm I bought. Wild Edge, a full set of Wild Edge Steps, probably going to get rid of the Lone Wolf Sticks and might upgrade to the yeah. out on the limb, Shikars. Um Really loving what they're doing over there at Out on the Limb. And uh, Mac Garris is a great guy, so I think that's going to be my setup for next year, but still looking in, I'm still in the metal, or the saddle market, man. I I, I don't know. I, I, you guys talk about the Phantom. I've heard a lot about the Phantom. I was always I was cheap too, so I'm I'm trying to pick up whatever whatever I can on the cheap side. Um, might look to see if I can't pull a manis off somebody that's trying to get rid of it. You know, it upgraded to the Phantom. But you know, and I, I think we even answered your question, Adam, to be honest. Like what what technical um the initial question of what our, our real strategy is did well- we? you
0: you, a a little bit i mean you know you you said you said going mobile and and i wanted to circle back uh because i want to talk about the 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 sign um reading fresh sign i think that that's one thing that's consistent with everyone that we've talked to but you know it's it's you know you fucking you talk and we talked to dan and fault about it and you said you know well, yeah, you just you got to hunt hot, sign hot, sign's hot. Like, well, how the fuck do you know if it's hot or like what the, you know, I, that seems like it's just a bunch of like double talk, you know? So I want to get into that a little bit, but, but real quick, um, just because you were talking about the out on the limb stuff, trophy line, et cetera. And earlier you had mentioned that you had some questions about the phantom. I think that, um, John's going to be your guy. Uh, as far as the, if you got any questions about the Phantom is concerned. Uh, but have you messed around with the Ridge Runner? And and I, I just want to say, like, we talked to Matt Garris um, on the podcast and we talked to him in person. I've talked to him a, a lot. Uh, he's made me a couple of different uh, camera arm bases, like specifically to use his base with the fourth arrow arm. And it'll fit John's muddy arm um, as well. So um, I I don't have anything bad to say about him or whatever, but I had a Ridge runner. I didn't, uh, and the personally for me, I I didn't care about care for the way that it hooked up to the tree and the way that it had to cam over like twice. Um, I used it on a lot of pine trees and it didn't really, for me personally, that's where I had an issue with it. Um, And so that's, it didn't have anything to do with the way that it functioned other than, The BART got into the leveling mechanism, um, and it was kind of like a pain in the dick. Um, So I just abandoned that. And it's not like I'm saying, oh, well, this platform is better or that platform is better. But that, personally, for me, was why I chose something different. Because I had one of the first Ridge Runners that came out because it was one of the things where you know, everybody's talking about this platform. Everybody's talking about this platform. Everybody wants to build their own goddamn platform. And I'm like, this is a new one. Nobody has it. So I'll do the pre-order. I'll have one of the first ones that comes out. And, um, it just, it just wasn't for me. I know a lot of guys like him and I know that he's used that method of mounting, uh, his tree stands to, to the trees for, for a long time. Uh, but just for me, it just didn't work out. And then with, uh, if, um, assuming that I get it back because one of my Patreons has a mantis. I got a mantis. I'll send you and you can mess around with it. If you want to use it this year, you can use it. It's fine. Um, We've got, uh, John and I have phantoms. I hunted out of a mantis and a trophy line all last year. And for me, I hunted the first half of the year out of the mantis, the second half of the year out of the trophy line. And I had to hunt the end of the year, out of the mantis because people were asking me like what's the difference and I didn't really have a good answer. I mean, both of them have their strong points and their their weaknesses. I don't like the bridge on the trophy line that much. Um but I like for sitting. It's awesome cuz it's so big and it's you know, if you're going to sit in it, if you're going to lean in it, it feels like it's pinching your guts out. Like it feels like it's pinching your ribs. And it, everybody talks about hip pinch. Well, with the mantis If you sit in the Mantis, it wants to slide up and you got to mess with it and dick around with it. The bridge is awesome. The Amsteel bridge slides perfectly, but then if, if you lean in it, there's no issue and you, you know, there's, um, the micro fit adjusters and everything like that. But I feel like if you hunt out of them and you really hunt out of them, you're going to adjust them like. And understand like what you can and can't do out of them i mean and i hunted all day sits out of both i hunted a shit ton out of both i never sat in a tree stand once last year um and that's not to say that i'm a saddle hunter all of a sudden but the i got a saddle i got one of the mantises um my mom bought it for me for christmas my mom called uh tethered and chewed him out because it wasn't gonna reach us by christmas time and uh, that's something i've had to answer to greg and ernie both face to face uh each time every time i see them so um but i felt like i had to do it just so i could have an intelligent conversation about saddle hunting and and, and once you do it um it is definitely a a, a paradigm shift as far as you're thinking on a how you set up in a tree and B, um you know the the bulk the, it's this is not a weight thing it's more of a bulk and a convenience thing so like for me that's that's kind of how i i landed uh, hunting from a saddle not because uh saddle hunting and crossfit and all the shit that i just want to tell people that i do um uh, hunt from a kayak and all that 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 podcast hosts are supposed to do um I have not not ventured into that, but, and and so we got phantoms um, this year and uh, we sat in them a lot. And I think John has a better affinity for, for the phantom um, than, than I do um, just because I didn't, I mean, I know exactly what I wanted. I think what they did with the phantom is they took their hundreds and hundreds and, thousands of hours of sitting in these saddles because the guys that have created these and the guys that inputted they said that a lot of time like you did Charles and Austin whatever to sit and say man if i can make my own saddle like i don't like this i don't like that i don't like that and they created what they consider to be the perfect saddle which is a terrible thing if you're trying to sell shit because you can't sell them the next one because you've already you've created the best one right but uh, it addresses just about every problem I think that that most people have, and 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 John, you spent a lot of time. I mean, we both spent a lot of time explaining saddle hunting and saddles at the at the expo to different people. But I think it really made a difference with John as far as like the ability to be able to to change that that phantom saddle.
3: Yeah, I mean, you know, I think a lot has to do with um, like your body style, your the way your body's shaped, for one, you know, Adam. I'm six three, you know, two hundred and thirty five pounds, but I've had, I have a very bad back. I've had four back surgeries, and so when Adam oh, yeah. first got his saddle, I was like, "What the hell is that diaper ass thing you got on?" You know, I'm like, <laughs> I, well, I, I got over to his house and he was swinging around on this thing in this thing on his pine tree in his yard, and I'm like. No, I'll stick with my stands. Well, last year my back was out. I had terrible issues last year and finally started hunting like three weeks into season. And of course, carrying camera gear, I've used my XOP stands, sticks. And those, like the XOP sticks, are not light. I think they're between the four of them, they're almost 16 pounds. Oh, yeah and that I even have the, like the mini versus traps on them. And then I'm using the bigger, uh, XOP stand, not the biggest.
4: Air raid, oh, the
3: air raid, air, air raid. And so yeah. with my camera gear and all that, even in, uh, you know, early season, it's, it was over 50 pounds. My pack. Oh. And so I hunted a couple times and yeah, it was just, I told Adam like, dude, I'm not. I'm gonna get it stuck out here. I ended up hunting on the ground a couple times just because I was. I didn't want to risk throwing my back back out. And so he's like, "Well, here, take my manis, try it out." So I went out. I just picked it up, went straight out, hunted with it, and I was like, "That's it. I gotta have a saddle." I told him, "I'm like, dude," but at the time, uh, you couldn't even get a manis. Everything was on back order, sold out.
0: My mom couldn't even do anything for me. <laughs> and so,
3: uh, and just happened that Trophy Line was, you know, they were coming back out, like, the I think that week they were being released. So we ended up got a couple on order, got one on order for sure. And then, I mean, it literally came in. I picked it up from Adam's doorstep, unboxed it, did a little video, and went straight to the tree. I was so excited I actually forgot, like, my top steps so I could <laughs> – so I was standing on just one because XOPs just have the one step. But, yeah. but and I hunted out the whole rest of the season and, and I, you know, killed the, my first deer out of a saddle and it was awesome. Like the ball, even though, you know, the trophy line, I'm not, for the price, you know, it's a good entry level, you yeah. know, saddle. And like Adam, Adam got comfortable. I had issues trying to, it, it wanted to ride up on me a lot, and I had a lot of rib pinch because that, the way that bridge come up, and it would ride up and just like crush my rib cage and end up having like a stomach ache because of it. Um, but, and it's big and bulky. Now we got, when I put that. But,
0: but compared to your air raid, it's the. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's. <laughs> you,
3: I'm comparing it to the Phantom now. <laughs> okay. So, yeah. when I put the Phantom yeah. on, it was just like, man, they, you know, all the hype. Here I'm thinking, can it really be that good? And it was. It is. Um, it's got the the cover slots, adjustments. And you can, just by moving those that bridge and those notches, makes a huge difference. You can change, like, the pressure point from being... More like sitting on the bottom of your, you know, like the back of your thighs. Or you can swap it and it'll be more on your lower back. And I like it right in the middle. And they said, I haven't obviously got the hunt out of it yet, but I spent a lot of time doing demos in it. And matter of fact, I would just, like even when we were at the expo and there was no one around, I would just go hook up to the tree and just sit because it was so
4: comfortable. Well, I mean, that's a testament right
3: there. Yeah, I mean, and, and that, like with the bridge, the way it, it's adjusted, uh, just everything about it. I mean, it's slim. I mean,
1: you don't even know it's there. <laughs> yeah, I can definitely attest to what you're talking about with the bulkiness of the trophy line compared to, um, you know, a good buddy of ours that actually we got into saddle hunting as the guinea pig before we went into it um he went with man and i got to sit in it and man it's like there's nothing to it and then you get that trophy line and you have those big rigid edges and you know the big wide bridge it's just it's it's not it's not bad by any means now mind you i did do three all-day hunts in a row out of it perfectly fine now that third day my my butt was a little sore, like you know, just above your your waistband was pretty sore. I had to kind of lean up against another tree. But um, again, I didn't know. There's there's a lot I could be doing wrong. I right. I hunted out of stand all year last year, and then days before my Ohio trip out of state, I got the trophy line in the mail, and I just, I mean, I hunted out of Austin's saddle that he he actually made a couple times. But other than that. You know, I just won it. Went out, winged it. Um, I loved it, but who knows? my tether height could have been off. There's a lot of things I could have been doing wrong. That,
3: um, right. And that's, that's that's where learn. I'm. You know, I'm no like I said. I just I got Adams, and from my experience, you know, it it what what happens with the with the Phantom is it takes the learning curve out of it, basically. Mm-hmm.
0: Well, in I mean the The funny part about the whole thing is this is i mean i I always defer to John, I always defer to John, you know John has the brains, John's this whatever and, and he says, nah blah 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 blah. well, if you go back to our breakdown of our season and our gear, you know, we talk about the mantis and the trophy line. we have both of them in front of us. John says specifically. If you were to take the trophy line and do this, and if you were to take the Mantis and do this, this would be the perfect saddle. And lo and behold, we show up at ATA, and he's like, this is what I just fucking said. Like I said, (laughs) specifically, all of these things. Now, the comfort channel and the bridge, like whatever, but the shape of it and the angles and everything is exactly the way that he broke it down as to what he would do differently you know so uh, he, he he says he says well yeah, yeah, yeah you know this is adams podcast and like oh boy, I say that. he's the brains behind the whole thing you know
3: well it's just looking at it from like a the point of view like how would this thing be more comfortable like if i could sew it up it was like it should be like shaped like a football cup and, cupped, and then that's exactly what what the Phantom is. It looks like a cover of a football. But, yeah. But, and then to go back to that, the platform, what was that one that you had, Adam? The Ridge Runner. The Ridge Runner. Now, this is coming from Adam, who he wouldn't use the Wild Edge steps because he didn't trust or like doing the knot.
0: No, I just, I didn't put the time into it. So, right. I, I, I My thing was, is that I know myself and I know like what it's going to take. And I fucked around with those steps. And I, we got, I I can't like, there's people that say like, well, yeah, I've tried everything. Like I got the primal steps. I got the wild edge steps. I got lone wolf sticks. I got XOP sticks. I got a Shakar. I got B sticks. I got cut down APIs. I got muddy pros. Like the only ones I haven't messed with is the Hawk sticks. But uh, I mean, uh, basically every single possible popular climbing apparatus I've tried and in messing with those and I messed with them on these pine trees and I did the knots and I messed around with them and I just couldn't get them to where I knew that I was going to be able to consistently do that up and down the tree in the dark every day. Or I wasn't committed enough because the sticks, I didn't have a problem enough with the sticks to do it, you know. And I got mm-hmm. some to, to, to try it. And so I said, here, John, you do it, you know.
3: Right. So I wasn't, I wasn't trying to knock at him. I was just trying to give you some.
0: Paint a picture, yeah.
3: Yeah, paint a picture. on That way it didn't sound like he was just make, making that.
0: Huh. Platform, well so.
4: well
1: and to your point though too adam you've mentioned pine trees a lot and i have first hand experience with the steps and pine trees and they do not go together no. um that is not something that is that i was even comfortable with uh the first time we busted out the wild edge steps and we threw them up on a small pine tree and they slipped and slid all over and tore it all up and um you know, and and then you put them on a nice size oak or or a nice maple or something, and they bite pretty good. Um, I always felt like the harder the tree, uh, the better those actually worked um, compared to a soft tree. They they you step on one side, and it would just like completely tilt down, and it would you know be at a bad angle. And I, I've dealt with this, so I know where you're coming from, and it's complicated. Um, my buddy, our buddy who started this whole thing and kind of put the bug on me, he's been using the wild edge steps and he's been doing the nader and suader and he swears by it, man. He he gets way up in the air with like four steps and absolutely loves it. He's he's crazy. He's, he's gone to the climbing with, you know, with the, um, what are they called? The little the spurs now. The spurs now. Yeah, he uses spurs.
0: Well, the tree yeah. hoppers too or something.
1: Yeah, he, he's crazy, man. He's But it's fun. It's fun to to play and tinker. It, it's a beautiful thing in the world we live in now that we have all these options and we have everything that we want to choose from. It's just finding what you're comfortable with and finding what works best for you.
0: Well, and I personally, though, I think like, so for you guys or for myself or John or whatever, and, and I put John in these positions all the time. Or just like I don't know. I don't know who these guys are. I don't know who we're talking to. I don't know what we're doing, but like. You know, to to sit on here or have somebody ask you a question and you try to answer a question that you have like somewhat limited knowledge on. You know, it's like I feel like I got to try everything, and then I can like formulate an opinion. And that's and that's what I try to do because there's so many fucking internet commandos out there that are like, Whoa. and it, I don't really care about that one way or the other but i just i mean that's one thing that i have a hard time with like i absolutely love the tethered guys and i love everything about like how they created their company and everything but when you go online all the tethered guys seem to gravitate and and chime in and it seems like they're bullying people and then then people fucking automatically have a bad taste in their mouth about Tethered where it's like completely the opposite like if you were to step back before Saddle Honey before Tethered existed these are the guys that were answering all the questions and everything like that and so now you've got guys that are just pissed off at guys that actually know what they're talking about and then they just speak on things that they have no business talking about or they have no opinion on and it's like I, you know, from, from our perspective as like, we're just regular guys, but, you know, we talk to all these people. So I see a lot of people that, that have podcasts and they talk to people, they talk to companies, they talk to, um, you know, on different subjects where they never have had, and we've turned down a lot of podcasts, but we've never had the product in our hand to say, this is what I think about it or what I, you know, what my real opinion is. And, and that's one of the hard things. Like I said, I I personally put John in this position all the time because I'm like he said before, like I'm always on social media. I'm always talking. I'm always, you know, I'm, I'm kind of have my pulse on like where everybody's bitches are. So that way I can formulate, I can drive our podcast to things that are talking points and we can talk to people that are, polarizing or we can talk about things that are that are kind of crazy but at the same time it's like I feel like we have to actually try them before we start talking shit you know
4: <laughs> I'm with you on that yeah that's the whole problem that I mean there's a reason, reason why
2: good Austin <laughs> <laughs> yeah I mean your point, there's a reason why you don't really hear me chiming in, talking about the trophy line, talking about the tethered mantis, whether it be the phantom or the mantas. Um, I didn't hunt from either one of them this year. I hunted from a saddle that I made myself. And if there, I have complaints, it's only, <laughs> I can only complain to myself. I mean, I can speak to XFE stands. I can speak to you know, wolf climbers. I've used those a couple times. and I can speak to my sticks, you know, but when it comes to a lot of things I can only really speak to general saddle questions when it comes to that. And, you know, I don't even really have a whole lot of experience to that because truth be told, I only hunted out of my saddle like three times this year. Yeah.
0: I mean, I'd be, I'd be nervous with that maker as well, but, um, you know, sometimes you got to try it before you, uh, you know, you can speak on it, you know, so. Oh, definitely. <laughs> but, but like I say, for me, like, we have between john and i we've got six saddles i think and oh man i've been sending them all over the country like like through our patreon network like guys want something and i'm like i'll just send it to you and guys are like you're kidding me right like they've decided to support us so i'm like well i would assume that you'll send it back if like i said if if I don't get the Mantis back, then Charles, you can't use it. I can give you an address where you can go pick it up if you want. But, um, <laughs> like, like the thing is, is that I, the thing about tree stands and saddles and, and where I feel like there's a big difference is, is like, a saddle is like a piece of, piece of clothing, right? So, I can have a bunch of kick-ass boots or, like, some real cool, like, sicca or first light or like whatever but i can't wear five jackets and i can't wear three sets of boots so if i'm not using my saddle then i can let somebody else use it where if i had a bunch of tree stands or whatever i could set them in different places and, and like whatever but that's the beauty of of saddles so like one thing when we were at the the expo like First of all, I feel like we live in echo chamber in a bubble with the podcast community. And if you're listening to this podcast, whether you're a Whitetail Distraction podcast listener or you're you're one of our regular listeners, you probably heard me say this before. But like, I feel like everybody knows what a saddle is, and everybody knows what you know, mobile hunting is, and everybody knows about sticks, and everybody knows about this. John, how many people walked by the tethered booth and said? Oh, so that's for setting a tree stand, or that's like, that's how you climb the tree, or, or what? I mean, what is that
4: <laughs> thing? <you know?
0: laughs> and and this was on like, we we got there I think on Saturday, and or or Friday, Friday night. Friday night, the phantoms went on sale on Wednesday and sold out on Wednesday. So people coming by are, are like, oh, that looks pretty cool, and I'd be like, well. Why don't you get it in and, and sit in one? No, you know, I don't really know. I'm like, look, these went on sale on Wednesday. They're completely sold out. The only ones that exist in the country are here or in North Carolina. So if you have any interest in ever sitting in one, you might want to try it just to see if it's, it's for you because it's it's something that's not, you know, you can't go to you know for us it's it's menards and you can buy a 30 dollar hang-on stand you can buy a 80 dollar climber or you can you can go to dunham's or you know we Cabella's can't go to cabela's yeah you know you can you won't find one of these so you have to know somebody or you have to have your pulse on like what's going on to even understand like what's going on and like john had literally like fucking andre the giant come in <laughs> And want to sit in this? John is a big guy, you know. He said it, and this guy was taller, like than the I, fucking stand. I was that... looking up at him.
3: I had to get <laughs> oh, in the saddle on the other side of the post just so he didn't break the damn thing up. the The pole literally bent like when he got on it. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, that's a big had, man. Yeah. Uh, it was. It was. Uh. What's his name? Got on the pole with me. Like was holding Chad. It, and. Just so we wouldn't break this our display model, like. Oh,
0: and it wasn't and the, the saddle; wasn't going to break. It was the telephone pole. Yeah, the pole yeah. was
3: <laughs> going to rip off the, the base.
0: Well, well but if anybody point.
2: has any hesitation about the saddle, it will hold you.
4: And, <laughs> but
3: and this guy wasn't. He was like. He looked like a freaking huge football player. I mean, he had to have been like a pro football player or something. If not, they <laughs> wanted him to play. But he put it on Put it on, and he had the, the, the only reason why he didn't buy one was because it didn't go around his weight like he had to he had it was too tight around his waist he, and he had the oh, belt man. completely you know adjusted out as far as it would go and so Ernie's like here's the deal he's like I'll go back and have one made for you and here's my information and I'll get it out to you and now we're going to start making the belts bigger just for that reason. That's crazy.
0: But but my point is is like I cannot sit in all these saddles. I'm not a collector of saddles. Yeah. And everybody wants to know like what one is better. So it's like it doesn't fucking matter. Like it's way different than your tree stand. Like if you're having problems with your tree stand like whatever, you want to figure out saddle hunting. Don't Talk to internet commando who's paid by this company or 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 whatever, or is pissed off because these guys chime in every time because they fucking know what they're talking about, but you don't like the fact that they chime in every time. It's like just get one and try it. And so for us, like we're in a position that we got a shit ton of saddles laying around, and there's no point in us just looking at them. So it's like, here, try this one, try that one, whatever. Figure out what you like or what you don't like if you don't like saddle hunting i don't care it doesn't make or break me but and i mean i've seen i mean i'm sure you guys have seen the one on on the forums or whatever where a guy weaves one out of paracord because he's like well this is the coolest thing ever well that might be cool at three feet off the ground but 20 feet up in the in the air when you clip into the saddle for the first time and you're hanging by one piece of rope you're like oh fuck like is this real Like, is this like what I'm really doing right now? Because you're, you're used to a climbing harness where it's set to like, if I mess up and I fall, I hope that it's going to help me. But now you're saying, this is all I have. All my faith is in these few things. So I got to commend you, uh, Austin, for having the balls enough and the confidence in yourself to just knit one up and, uh, you know, clip into it because I could not do that.
2: I'll tell you what, man, (laughs) I went overboard. (laughs) I went so overboard on this thing. I went like 6,000 pound webbing, like 6,000 denier nylon, like everything. Like it is not the lightest saddle, but it's comfortable. And I tested the hell out of it on ground level, like jumping up and like slamming down, just trying to break this thing. And it wouldn't budge, man. And that's kind of how I got my little like, bearings, I guess you can say, on it. And I was using an Ernie special platform, man, out of a freaking XOP seat. Like, it was, it was, it, it's rigged, man. <laughs> it's not anything crazy and special, but it works. And speaking of, like, lending your saddles out and stuff, I killed my boss this year, and Charles was going on a trip, and he was like, dude, I'm just going to use my XOP And I was like, dude, I don't need my saddle. Take it. And he hunted out of it. I don't know how many times Charles hunted out of it. And he liked it. and It held him, and he's bigger than me, but I don't think that you can break my saddle. But to my point on that, like you said, you want to kind of progress in the saddle game and try different saddles. And I kind of – I talk to a lot of people about it, and I get their opinions on it. And I know what I liked about mine this year and what I didn't like about it and where I want to go with it. And I'm making a brand-new saddle for this season. It's going to be
4: epic.
0: well well, like i say like for me it it isn't about like i want to try you know it's just simply this is what people are talking about this is what people have questions about you know i've never handled or even seen um one of the arrow hunter saddles or or anything like that you know they're not at the shows they're not around the the wild edge or the arrow hunter or the Yerak or whatever like never seen one um you know the h2 he's a, a michigan guy i haven't messed around with one of those we've messed around with uh one of the new ones that's coming out from latitude outdoors and it it's extremely comfortable i mean it's it's people are really gonna like it um And they're doing their due diligence, but it's just a matter of, you know, if you were trying to be completely unbiased, but you'd only ever sat in one tree stand and people had questions about the other ones. I mean, you can't, you can't ask, ask those questions, you know, and I think that's one of the, one of the things that is good about John and I, I've, I've talked about it a bunch, but he's a buy once, cry once guy. And I'll spend a hundred dollars fifty times before I spend a thousand dollars once, and <laughs> it, you know it's it's just my personality. And John's going to micro-analyze every single thing, so we we come at it from from different perspectives. You know,
1: yeah. I mean, it's the same thing as you, you think about the bow game. You know, you can you can do the same thing. You know, there's those those guys that they're Matthews guys shoot Matthews, and that's the only bow they've ever touched. I take advantage of every show we go to, anything we have. If there's a, a whole line of bows there, I'm going to pick them up, and I'm going to shoot every single bow there. And I'm going to see what I like about each bow, and I'm going to see what's comfortable for me. And that's how I – I mean, I, I I do shoot Matthews, but that's because when I went and looked for my new bow from my old Fred Bear that's up on the wall, it, that that's what I like best. You know, I landed with a Matthews Creed, and, and then – um. You know, I've been shooting that bow ever since. And this year we went to the show, and the Great American Outdoor Show, and I shot the uh, VXR, and that bow is just absolutely ridiculous. Um, I mean, uh, far above and beyond anything else that I shot. I shot the new Elite. I didn't like it at all. I shot the new Prime. I actually did like the new Prime. That new Prime is nice. It's really nice. Um, you know, but the same thing with the Hoyts, even. They still have that same funky valley into the back wall and I don't know I I really like the XR I, I feel like uh you can you could go you could do this all day long with any product in the outdoors you know you can you can say the same thing more guys and so people are so strongly opinionated over what they have cuz everybody wants to believe that what they have is the best thing out there possible and what what I love about myself is that I don't, I will never just stick to one thing anymore. I feel like, like I had my XOP stand. I freaking loved it. I, I would tell you it's the best thing on the planet. And then something better came to my mind, and now saddles. So I upgraded to a saddle. Now I love the saddle. Well, now I, I kind of want to upgrade and try another saddle, and another climbing method, and a different method. And I'm always trying to advance, and, you know, you get a lot of harp around because, think about pennsylvania hunters your typical pennsylvania hunters the guy that has a ladder stand and maybe a climber stand and you know they they hunt a lot you know a lot of rifle hunters in our area but not a lot of guys are doing the mobile thing and not a lot of people even know what saddle is some of the best hunters in this area that i know they don't even know what saddle is and it blows my mind but you you could go down that that just wormhole all day long it, it's, it's a rabbit hole of um, this or that product and the guys that argue about it on Facebook or social media it's, I was saying earlier that the disease of social media it gives everybody an opinion and everybody a, a voice that maybe they don't deserve a voice or an opinion because they their opinion skewed and it's not accurate as you, you've been saying Adam it's, it's, they've only ever done one thing they've only ever tried one thing so how can you have an opinion on the broad uh, you know, someone likes this saddle better, but you've only ever sat that saddle, and you're going to knock that guy for sitting a saddle that you've never even sat in and tell him it's junk, it's trash. It's just, shit blows my mind, man.
3: Yeah, that's, you know, going along those same lines. That's, a, that's what I've always said, like, especially about bows. It's like, go to a pro shop. Or go to you know if you're going to ATA, if you could have all the bows without the names on it, just go and shoot every bow, and whichever one feels the best to you, pick that one. Who cares what yep. the name mm-hmm. is? Because all the all the bows, like every manufacturer out there now, they all have a good product for the yep. most part. Like all those guys, all at PSE, uh, Hoyt. You know, it's all about personal. What feels good to you, you know? Like, you were talking about the Matthews. Last year, I shot the, you know, I've been shooting Hoyt. For one thing, with my draw 31-inch draw that's always been, like, a handicap for me in finding a bow that fits me. You know, it's mm-hmm. been like that for years. And so, like, like, the first show we went to, the first ATA we went to a few years ago, Adam shot every bow. And he's like, "You're gonna shoot that one? like that? They don't have one in my i. It's no point. It only goes up to 30 inch draw length, so I can't, I can't even tweak it to make it fit me. So I'm not gonna shoot it. Uh, but then, you know, now it seems like in the last two years they've started to kind of cater to the, to the longer draw length guys again. Uh, but I shot, I shot that VXR this year, and it was lights out awesome shooting bow. Shot the PSE, of course, you know, Dudley and NTN, uh, that bow shot awesome as well. And so it was like, yeah. the one thing that I've always, it's kind of bothered me being you know, the tweaker that I am with, with bows. I mean, I build my own strings, I do all my own tuning, and I'm always doing stuff, is the drawing specific can, where you know, if I get a 31 inch cam or, you know, not only that, then when resale value too is, if you're selling a 31 inch bow, it's just to that person. Unless, and, and like when I'm, I build bows for our friends and they, you know, they buy a Matthews, they use Matthews. Well, I get it, uh, wrong cam. Frank, they sold him a bow that had the wrong draw length for them, So we had to order, you know, a $80, $100 cams that, and, or mods, you know, where like the PSE this year, it goes from like, I think 27 to 31 inch, you know, whatever. And, and there's, there's downfalls of that too. You're, you're losing maybe a little bit of efficiency, you know, with that, that much drawing adjustability. But, you know, for me, it, it wasn't enough to, uh, I end up picking the PSE, but I can't, no one's no one's working. I can't even get them right you now. Matthew's over. Yeah. goes with the saddles too. Just, if you can try them out, try them out. Like, uh, what's, I can't, I can never remember people's names, but he does the saddle, uh, um, like class. Oh, Tim? Tim, yeah. They do, well, they were supposed to be several of them. You know, like the
0: teaching train.
3: You know, oh, the, the teaching train. train, yeah. yeah. And so that way, you know, that gives up. And he, he has several different kinds. You know, he's got Manis. Now he's got uh, Phantom. I think he uses some trophy lines, too. You know, we were going to put something together like that at our local Bowman's Club and have him come down. And We were going to do, you know, just anyone that wanted to come out, try him out. Which one feels the best to you? And that's You know, that's the only downfall of this saddle uh, craze right now is, there's not a lot of them out there for people just to try. Yeah,
1: no, I totally agree with that. Yeah, you can't walk into a Cabela's and start swinging around on a saddle, and that was probably my biggest hesitation. But if you think about it, and me personally, I mean, I would never even know what a saddle was if it wasn't for a, a podcast that I heard with Greg Godfrey years ago. You know, and then another one came out, and it's like, man that's one of my favorite podcasts like this this sounds really good and you know i was the, i was the bug in austin's ear there for a while like telling him like dude i know the xop is great He's like, yeah but i just got it how i like it and i'm comfortable and i love it am like dude yeah but like we lose our stands and use this thing we put around our waist and climb trees and be monkeys and that and sounds a lot more fun and efficient and, and dude it's right down our alley like this what we do you know getting laid back in on public land and and we hunt a lot of swamps i mean you're you you want to talk about trying to get through a swamp edge with uh with a saddle on or with a stand on your back it sucks there's a lot of ducking underneath climbing over top of things um you know a lot of clear cuts in different areas we hunt the saddle was a huge benefit huge benefit I know all about
3: the swamp. I almost left my uh, XOP in the swamp <laughs> on my last hunt with it just because it was such a bitch getting out. Like, yeah. I had to go two-thirds of a mile. I cut across this nasty, marsh. Nasty marsh. <laughs> wrong, wrong thing to do. It took me two hours to go two-thirds of a mile. Oh, man. I almost lost my boots. I was up over my knees in mud. Just, it was pouring down rain. And it was, I was cursing Dan in fault. Like, I even did a video. i <laughs> like, I don't know how that. Gotta happened. walk like a duck. Yeah. You know, Dan was like, oh, guy. it's a beautiful night. You know, I'm like, I'm out there freaking wanting to shoot myself, literally. But I was like, this <laughs> tree stand can stay because no one would ever find it because no. <laughs> One in the right mind would ever come this way.
1: Maybe a duck <laughs> or something. I'm so with you there. Man. Yeah, Austin's buck here. Died in the back of a big time swamp, marshy land, and oh, you know, it took us all night getting that thing out of there. And it, it was an absolute mess. And if I would have added, like, we didn't have any stands or anything with us, but he did kill it out of the saddle, and uh. I couldn't imagine trying to get in and out of that area with stands on our back. I, I don't want to say it wasn't possible, but it would be very, very difficult, very difficult, especially if it you was our clock. I think It wasn't there. Oh man! I had yeah those old
4: climbers.
3: I had a big doe come underneath me that night, and I was gonna. I was like, if it would have been in any other spot, I would have shot it. But I'm like thinking to myself. If I shoot this deer and have to have someone come out and help me, they'll no longer talk to me, ever. <laughs> like, they wouldn't even have made it to the animal, I guarantee it, because they were the one. You did this with a doe? What the hell's <laughs> wrong with you,
2: man? So, oh, man. I'm, you you know. you. I'm lucky I had Chuck this year. It would, <laughs> it would have been damn near uh, impossible. I'd still be out there trying to get that deer out.
3: Definitely would have had to quarter mine up. There would have been no drag unless we had an
1: airboat, maybe. Yeah. We should have done the quartering method. That sounds a lot better right now. We definitely <laughs> could have done it.
2: I should have threw the thing in the damn river and just floated down to the bridge
1: with it. <laughs> <You> should have <laughs> swam. Right. If you were a real man, you would have just jumped in with it, used it as a floating device, and then swam down to the bridge.
2: Yeah, well... We've already established them fourteen, so.
3: <laughs> so Austin, um, what bow are you shooting right now? Oh God,
2: I don't even want to tell you. <laughs> I am <laughs> shooting a Hoyt Turbo Hawk. <laughs> from I think it's a two thousand ten. Yeah, yeah, it is. Uh, very exciting. It's very loud. It's kind of accurate, but it, uh, it kills deer, man. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. I'm in the market for a new bow. I think that VXR is it's on my radar big time. Yeah, it's a sweet, sweet shooting bow. I mean, unbelievable.
3: And, Charles, you're still
1: shooting the, the Matthews. You said, was it the Creed? Creed? I, I have the Creed XS. I have the smaller version, the 28 inch axle axle. Um, I shot both when I first looked at them, and I kind of wish now that I would have went with the regular Creed, because the the uh, the back wall on the XS is a little it's a little jumpy, it's a little aggressive um, with that shorter axle axle. They didn't Matthews didn't quite have it figured out back then, quite like they do now with their short axle axle, like the triax and and now with the VXR those 28 inch axle axles they don't even they don't even compare to the draw cycle that what my bow is. and um, I love it. The bow shoots great. It's the, the the greatest thing I've ever shot. Um, you know, coming, like I said, from hand-me-down bows. First real bow I ever have, Threadbear SQ32. It's it's still right there on the wall. <laughs> that thing
4: is a, a tank.
1: You know, probably 8% let off on it. But uh, killed a lot of deer with that bow, man a lot of deer with that bow. That was my first real bow that actually fit me my draw length. I'm not overdrawn. I'm not underdrawing. You know, I love it. Yeah, that's, that's what I'm rocking now. The, the Creed XS. It's a good bow. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah. I still have some
3: of my old original Matthews. I have old Feather Max and the Q- yeah. Q- Q2 XL. I remember when I bought my Feather Max. That was when the Z Max came out, back in like '92, '93, or
0: something like that. And you, I wanted. got to understand uh, these guys were four and three or whatever the fuck. Like. Yeah.
1: Yeah. <laughs> my brothers. My brother still has his Feather Max, and um, my oldest brother used to shoot it. And then uh, my other. Uh, I have three brothers, so it gets confusing. But my oldest brother was shooting the Feather Max, and then my next older brother. He was shooting it for the longest time, and he actually went and found a the regular Creed for sale, and he switched it. But up until a couple years ago, that's what he was hunting with. It was a pretty nice bow
3: back then. Yeah, well, I want like they had like their speed bow because see the the Feather Max has the deflex riser, and they had a the Z Max was the the reflex riser. It was a little faster, you know, but it would only come to 30 inch draw and I remember I was at one of our big sporty goods up in Clare, Michigan, J. Sporty Goods, and they have an awesome bow shop. And I'm up there, and the bow tech guy, he's like, doing everything he can. Like we're in the back room, and we're twisting cables up, and you know, you can only do so much with a single cam bow. But he's like, finally, he's like, I know you're hurt, you you know, you're set on this bow, but how about you give the Feather Max a shot? He's like, that one goes all the way to 32 inch drawing the same limbs cams everything it's just a different riser like all right Mm -hmm. so i sure enough i draw that like okay i'll take this one but (laughs) (laughs) still got it still hanging up in in the old shop there you know q2xl you know that was my next one because it took so long to find another one to fit and they not
0: so good if you ask his wife, he sold both those bows twice already. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Let me turn that question bucks. around on you. Let's turn the question around on you
3: guys. What are you guys shooting? So, I'm still shooting, like right now I have uh, my RX-1. Nice. I shot the RX-3 and the RX-4 and it was just for the money, you know, now they're up to like $1,700. Bear pal. Yeah, Sickening. You know, <laughs> and my RX-1 shoots so good, I just haven't seen the. you know. I end up, I have a Hoyt Pro Max also, nice. or a Pro Force or whatever it's called. It's a target bow. But that's what I shot my turkey with, just because it's a 60-pound limbs, and I turned it down to about 56 pounds, and that's how I could get those uh, bullhead arrows to shoot.
4: Huh?
0: what about you adam? uh I'm shooting a twenty seventeen uh diamond deploy, so nice. just what what John said is like at a t a like I shot every single bow that that was possible um this is two thousand eighteen and uh the carbon icon the bowtech carbon icon I couldn't find a better bow. For the money. Like there are some bows that maybe edged it out like a little bit, but the price difference was exorbitant. And then I ran into this bow for like, I bought it for 300 bucks, brand new, everything. So, um, and then when we went out West, I bought a carbon night to go along with it as a backup bow. And uh, I mean, that bow has been great. Uh, I, as far as like carrying that bow, I've carried that bow for probably damn near a thousand miles now. I mean, like legitimately, you know, I, I don't know. John will tell you like how far out of spec the, spr- the strings were when he put the new ones on. And you know, I mean, I, I definitely have got my money's worth out of that bow. Um, uh, but, but it's funny is that going, I, I may be getting a different bow here. I I'm, I'm just on the fence about it. Um, uh, but I'm probably, I think I'm going to buy a gearhead um, just because I want to talk about it. Now, again, it's, it's a saddle thing. Um, simply <laughs> because, it, but I mean, it, because people want to know about these things and it's like polarizing. And like, I talked to Skip at the show here in, in Grand Rapids, but John wasn't there. So he doesn't, I want to have Skip on the podcast, I want to talk to him about him. But it would do no good if John hasn't got a bow to see. So I had it all lined up so we would get a bow to check out. Like a couple of our friends, uh, you know, through the podcast or whatever, have them or had one coming in. And then all this fucking lockdown started, and then we couldn't get John to have one in his hands to kind of mess around with it. And like again, it's perfect for us for like trying to do a giveaway to our patreons or something like that because they're ambidextrous. So you could have a bow that someone could check out, you shoot it. And then all we got to do is, you know, get their specs. John can set it up for them. And then we send it out. And, you know, it's, it's kind of like the best that we could do. Because um, they're an odd thing, but they shoot fairly well. And it's just a matter of, I haven't bought one yet. Uh, but now we're going to have this big, like, lapse between turkey hunting and elk hunting. So I may pick one up in the interim, um, you know, just in the interest of the podcast, you know.
3: That, my... I do have, I talked to our pro shop, and
4: uh, as
3: soon as PSC starts shipping bows, I'll have one of the new uh, PSC NTNs coming. So.
1: Thanks. Nice. Uh, I did get to shoot the gear at the show, and that, that bow is pretty cool.
4: Right. I um, mean,
1: it, it's, it's super different. I had to shoot it. Well, how can you see that bow? and not pick it up and shoot it like it's the coolest thing in the world it's this tiny little bow and all i could think of was man if i took this home and my dad saw me shooting this out in the yard <laughs> i might get this so it's bad enough i'm a saddle hunter he looks at me like i'm a complete moron um <laughs> you know and uh it didn't shoot there it was super accurate easy to draw freaking super easy to shoot. Um, I mean, yeah, there was hand shock in and, and the bow with their 19-inch or something crazy. I mean, there's gonna be some, but it shot accurate. I I liked it a lot.
0: Yeah, and like I said, it, like it doesn't do us any good um, if we talk to somebody about something that we haven't tried. And just the fact that I've shot it, it my uh, honestly, like my opinion doesn't mean shit because, like I said, John's a bow guy, so it's like. I could be like, "Oh yeah, this is cool," but again, just like the saddle, he's like, "Nope, never going to do it, never going to do it, never going to do it by me too." Like it's it's just he's got <laughs> <it first>. <laughs> yeah. no, like to he's got to try it for me too. No, like it's it's
3: up to how it feels. I mean, it's up to the individual. I
0: mean, and, and 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 that's a weird thing too because of the issue that we have with John is that his draw length is so long that I have to get a bow that's able to have a draw length out to 31 inches so it's going to be like the 24 um probably and it's got to have the adjust the completely adjustable it's got to it's got to be able to be relevant for john otherwise it doesn't do any good
3: well after building everybody's bows i'm used to shooting i just built joe's bow which is shipping out tomorrow to colorado that's that's a 28 inch draw on that one i'm pretty sure
1: Oh man but Easy. I'm a 27 and a hopper, okay? <laughs> Little T-Rex arms.
0: Oh, you're one of those quarter-inch guys like Austin?
4: <laughs> Half, like that. <laughs> <laughs> Come on. <laughs> Double his size. <laughs> you guys are killing me.
3: What are you guys using for uh, releases? Are you guys using wrist straps, or are you guys using any thumb
2: releases or back tensioning? style i switched to a thumb release this year i'm still on the fence with it i shot my buck with it and did quite a bit of target shooting with it but i'm still i guess i haven't really found a solid anchor point with it yet like i haven't found somewhere where i'm really comfortable with it i found that i shot better with my knuckle as an anchor but it wasn't really comfortable for me to hold. That way, I don't, I don't know. I'm still kind of playing around with it, but yeah, I might go back to the wrist strap, and it, I don't know. It's a, it's a forefinger with the thumb release, but I can't even remember anything. I bought a Cabello's, but yeah, it's been, a, it's been an interesting game with it. It's not a of Scots, is
4: it? What you bought? No, it's um, oh man, yeah, I can't yeah, yeah. I'm, I didn't I'm go full the- back tension. The- yeah, yeah. I, I
1: tried the thumb release. I tried I tried Austin's, I tried another buddies. Same thing with me. Um, you know, I played a lot of baseball and my shoulder I, I have a lot of trouble when I I guess when you open up and come in this way, it opens up that labrum which is just horrible. I have a really bad labrum. Or when I'm drawing normal I feel like more of the pressure's in my back but it doesn't open up the shoulder as much so i've always worn just the regular wrist strap caliper style release um that's what's comfortable for me i i can't i don't know how people shoot with just those little hand releases without a, a strap around the wrist i honestly don't it drives me nuts but yeah, i feel like i'm just going to let go of the thing and if i'm thinking about that that much what am i going to be thinking about when a deer's coming in like i i would rather just non instinctly draw with my muscles not, I I got my my hand open and draw and then, you know, go through the motion of coming with your rest point, come to your anchor point, and then just, you know, squeezing off the trigger. So I don't I think it it works best for me personally. Yeah, that's I mean that's
3: what that's what matters,
1: so Yeah. And it's a nineteen oh two. Um it might be made from steel from World War Two. Uh, <laughs> I have to get my V loop special made on my my strings, because the, the calipers on those things are thick.
4: <laughs>
1: it's old school, man. Velcro, old school. Oh, like an old Winfrey.
0: Or old Cobra. I, don't
4: I have know. an old Is Cobra. I, can't, I don't know. I couldn't tell you. <laughs> oh, man. Well, My dad's original.
0: Yeah, Milky we were... Dad. I mean, John posted a picture not long ago from, like, the first fucking hand release that you've ever scene and somebody from uh, Washington, I think, was like, can I buy that from you? It's like a piece <laughs> of, like, Americana. <laughs>
2: Americana, put in a shadow box. <laughs> my dad, I mean, my
3: dad shot it's the sealed hot shots, and they used to have, like, a nylon loop and two-finger and three-finger. That's what my dad shot. My dad uh, cut his hand off almost all the way off when he was a teenager. And when they oh, sewed it man. back on, he lost most of his feeling, except for in his thumb. And so that's how he had to shoot. He couldn't shoot fingers or the caliper, regular caliper release. So he shot with that old hot shot. <laughs> I still, and that's what, and so he had a bunch of them. And so my, you know, the process I, you know, went through was first to start out with the little fiberglass. Longbow recurve, whatever it was. And when I could hit the target, then I got my first compound bow, but that was just a flipper rest, no sights. It was just all instinctive. And it was like, there's your bow, go shoot, the, you know, only shoot the target. And uh, I learned the hard way. I shot a rubber football and almost pulled the, you'll shoot your eye out, and it hit the football perfect. <laughs> Came, it bounced straight back, and the knock hit me right in right above my eye. My, e. Oh man! I had like a snake bite, like right, right in the top of my eyelid. And uh, my mom was watching out the window when it happened. Too. <laughs> I think I should tell my dad. But
4: oh man! So,
3: <laughs> the progression went on. Then I finally okay. So you could hit the pie plate at the on the bale and then. Then I got one pin and it was the old like talk, the old brass pin and just a metal bracket there was no guard or anything and then you know, I was shooting all you know, the finger tabs and then I got into I got to shoot the, my dad's release and I was like no I'm something and then it was the old <laughs> oh yeah, we have I think they were called 10 Ted Hines lit pin and a little rheostat I just cleaned out my drawer and threw the old thing away finally. I should have kept that too. You should have kept it, man. Shadow box that thing too. a 9 volt battery. 9 volt battery and then a big old rheostat mounted on that and one single old fiber optic pin. You turn that sucker on. I remember the knob would fall off or you forget (laughs) to turn the thing off. You get out there, your battery's dead.
2: I got an old mag light if you're interested. (laughs) I got a couple (laughs) of those too.
0: John had the stabilizer. Mount Maglite. I don't know if you guys ever heard of that one. <laughs> <laughs> must be a Michigan thing. Yeah, that's for that's for bow fishing. What are you talking about? <laughs> oh man! Oh, oh, man. man. That's yeah, I, I don't. I, you know, this has been a a ton of fun, guys. I don't know if you uh, if if this is kind of what you had in mind, Charles, when you. We're like, hey, you know, if anybody wants to come on the podcast, anybody wants to hang out, and you're like, oh, they got these clowns from Michigan, I guess, uh, you know, <laughs> take Jeez. what we can get, you know.
4: <laughs> yeah, yeah, you guys were
1: kind of first, so I was like, well, nobody else volunteers, I
0: guess we'll
4: these guys.
1: <laughs> <laughs> no, man, it was fun. It. It's a good conversation, like, you get on with other podcasters, you never know where it's going to go. And, and it's fun because, you know, we don't really prep for it. You kept asking, I'm like, I don't know, dude. I mean, we'll just talk about whatever comes up because that's what we always do. You know, we don't we don't typically try to keep it too uh, in line with anything because you guys have done this, so you know what you're getting into. and We've done it. We know what we're getting into and just make it happen.
0: Yeah. 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 And, you know. You know, we got to talk about you know all of the all of the fun stuff. We got to bash on a lot of people, like Austin um, <laughs> and all of his deadheads and his wife beating him, and he oh, had to pull heads. out his quarter incher and, and and finally <laughs> come in right at the end. And 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 John spoke on this podcast, so I mean, uh, this is a monumental evening. <laughs>
4: <laughs> I like uh, it's been good. We'll have to keep touch, and uh,
1: I'll definitely have to. Or maybe take you up on that offer with the man is. but I don't know, man, I'm really leaning towards that phantom, so we'll see. We'll see you if the stimulus wait. check around do make their way to my doorstep. If that happens, game over.
0: Well, and 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 to be honest, I mean, if it if it doesn't work out for you, I can always send it to Austin because um, you know, he's gonna have a, a child now and I gotta worry about his safety. And at least it's yeah. been tested.
2: Any so, day now. <laughs> <laughs> I tested the hell out of that thing, man. I'm telling you. Wait till yep. the Tino 2.0 comes out. It's gonna be
0: and, and, and you guys are gonna
2: be begging for one.
0: And <laughs> that's the issue, you know. You're just as bad as everybody else on the internet. It's like we just pulled this behind <laughs> a truck. Like it's not like we have a whole podcast about TMA testing in, in saddles, Austin. I would, I would direct you towards that. Um, you got it, dude. Because because <laughs> it's not it, it's not just you know, single strength or, or this or that. I mean, these are real dynamic things. This is your life we're talking about. This is your child's future. You are yeah. certainly correct. You are absolutely I
3: correct. i sure that life insurance paid up. <laughs> oh,
0: it is. It is. <laughs> yeah. And how did he die? Oh, yeah. He fucked up his own life by trying out a thing that he tested. And that, uh, Boyd Monk. Like, yeah. <laughs> oh, don't jinx me, man. I can't ever say it again. Come on. <laughs> I'm just saying, insurance companies are not set up to help you out. They are there to take your money. Oh, damn it, Bobby! <laughs>
1: yeah, they're declining That's, that one. But like, wait, he climbed up in the tree with what?
4: <laughs> we're gonna write this one off as suicide, boys. Yeah. Oh, not paid. <laughs>
0: we're we're on saddle hunter forum too. We we saw the build process. <laughs> no, <Damn. laughs> but but yeah, guys. So for our listeners or. or you know, people that are just finding out for this for the first time, where can they follow along with everything that you guys are doing?
2: You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, Go Wild, anywhere podcasts are found iTunes, Podbean, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, all those fun places at the White Toast Trash Podcast.
0: Wonderful. Wonderful. What about you guys?
2: Same here. We got the uh,
3: Bow Hunter Chronicles podcast. We got the website, Instagram, Facebook, and then. I have the Angler Archer, but I don't post anything on that. <laughs> that's
0: we're right. working up to it. We, we we're we're building up our YouTube right now, and and John's starting to film his fishing and 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 all of that. And, you know, we we pigeonhole ourselves with this whole bow hunting thing, and that's why I can't bring a shotgun turkey hunting, um, and so that's why I'm adamantly vehemently opposed to anything fishing, uh, any talk. So you I mean you guys? You guys really touched a nerve earlier, and I might have to edit that part out. So, except for <laughs> bow fishing, right? Yeah,
1: bow fishing. I'm looking forward to bow fishing this year.
0: I'm I'm truly looking forward to. it. It's gonna be a blast for sure, for sure. But yeah, uh, and and you know, for anybody who heard us talk about our patreons and stuff, um, so you can check us out at patreon.com forward slash Bowhunter Chronicles podcast. Uh, we do quarterly giveaways for like big time shit. So um, definitely go. Check that Good out plug. as well. Hey, that's what I'm here for. So
1: <laughs> I might sign like up. I mean, you guys are giving some shit away, and i you know, I hey, like. We just, stuff.
3: we just gave away a Phantom.
0: Yep, just gave away a Phantom. Uh, we're gonna be giving away a Traeger Trager um, for this what? quarter, and um, for I'll give you, I'll, I'll, I'll say it here. I've been going back and forth with them. Uh, I we're gonna for the third quarter for sure. Uh, we're going to give away a set of beast sticks. Sweet. Um, but if the beast stand is out, I'm going to give away one of those too. So, nice. Um, it's going to be the full beast hunting package. But if not, I think I may give away two sets of beast sticks. Because um, they're just looking at like where it falls in.
3: Very cool. I better sign up too. I know. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm, fucking like, I'm like, what the hell? You're giving all the shit away and I don't even have it.
0: Said, hey, you can sign up. It's five bucks, man. It is five dollars. <laughs> <Five
1: bucks>. So <laughs> That ain't shit, man.
0: That's
1: a fifteen dollar lotto ticket. Think about it.
0: That's what I'm saying. Yeah. You know? Yeah. But uh but yeah, so we always plug that. Uh we, we do these these same kind of Zoom chats and, and and sit down with our Patreons and we bring guests on to talk and you know, just trying to try and let the listeners, you know, that really support us in on kind of like everything we're doing and and like I say when you listen to podcasts you feel like you're in the room and you're having that deer camp experience but to to actually say alright well come on and let's have a conversation and, and, and be part of it um, you know that's kind of the community that we're trying to build with all that And if we gotta give shit away to have people do that well then that's fine too
1: yeah
4: <laughs> I'm with you man
1: I like <laughs> that's a good way to give back to your, to your listeners and yeah. you know you can never show them enough appreciation that's what makes us do this and it's what makes it possible so
0: right that's cool For sure alright guys really we cool. appreciate it I think that's uh, going to wrap this one up you. I like it alright thanks guys
5: Sit okay, down.